A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Force Center podcast feed is the Mandalorian Report. We are going to report on Chapter 16, The Rescue, a sort of big deal episode of a big deal Star Wars show. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. Oh, what do they, they call you a big deal? I'm Cadnap Sock, <laughs> ready to discuss all the deals, big and small, and quite a... Uh, Big Star Wars event. Yeah, yeah, just kind of mind-blowingly big, even though there were a lot of breadcrumbs uh, to follow to get to this big event. There was such a question of, will they do this? Won't they do this? This is what they will probably do, but when will they do that? Uh, with exactly where are we in the story arc of Din and Grogu? That was one of the big shocks to me, as well as, you know, 
uh, that uh, that Luke Skywalker guy showing up. That was that was a hell of a thing. We're going to discuss yeah. that. Uh, we got some nice tweets saying, looking forward to your five and a half hour long episode of Force Center. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to see if we can impressively contain it to our regular running time. Uh, this episode, of course, Chapter 16, the second season finale of The Mandalorian, titled The Rescue, written by Jon Favreau, directed by Peyton Reed, 44-ish minutes. Ken, let's just dive right in. What was your overall reaction to this uh, big finale? Did you love it? Did you like it? Did you struggle with it? Was it a balance? <laughs> it was a it was a balance in a in a in a just no darkness there. Uh, we always love talking about some of the things that maybe we look at, question uh, how the show looks and feels, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? You, all that goes out the window when you just kind of connect with the look at that Luke guy with the green lightsaber being a hero and, uh, you know, the small intimate moments, which are, are the, what wins this episode in this episode for me. And this idea of, hey, it's Star Wars, baby, and it's fun to be a fan. That's the feeling I went to bed with after watching this episode. Oh, that's great. That's great because, yeah, th- this episode was like, it was such a great uh, combination of everything that Star Wars is and can be from intimate to the sort of huge moments to the uh, big canon reveals to the big canon ambiguity and also just this great central uh idea of star wars discussion right uh because we can be talking about this story that we've been following uh, of din and grogu and how it all comes together but then we can also be totally distracted from talking about uh that story by just talking about the how did everybody feel about the cgi <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what's the opinion on this should this have been that and it, we, we could get lost in the details uh, or we could, you know, see the the big picture, and there's kind of there's so much to talk about it from that perspective. Yeah, can I read a Leslie Headland quote that yes. that that went around? So this uh, shout out to our uh, our Four Center supporter uh, Discord. Uh, I call him part of the heart of our Discord. Mark Canope uh, posted this uh, a couple days ago, and in, in we were discussing the acolyte, so nothing to do with this. She wrote this: "I am I am the type of Star Wars fan that doesn't even have a favorite movie. I just want to live in the universe of Star Wars continually in perpetuity forever. <laughs> so when people are like, "What's your favorite Star Wars movie?" I'm like, "There is no Star Wars movie. There's only Star Wars." And number one, love that. God, I can't wait for her take on Star Wars. And two, that's the kind of energy I, I want to take and sometimes need to remind myself to take into episodes uh, like this one, where this is big and fun. There's so much joy going around. And then I can start to, even for myself, chip away at things and go, but I did that. And we, you, the buffet example you always use, because number one, you and I love food more than anything. And then two, but, and I, I, I went back to that quote this morning. And thank you, Mark, for posting that in our Discord, because I think I would have missed it otherwise. And I just like, yeah, there, there is only Star Wars and it's all part of the bigger picture. And there's so many things in this episode that I was like, give me more answers, give me more questions and let's continue going down the path. So anyways, I don't, you know, hundred percent, maybe, you know, I don't know if that's uh, apropos here, but I just, I just, that quote was going around my head. I think it is apropos. Um, thank you to Mark for pointing that out in our Discord. I hadn't heard that specific quote from Leslie Headland. I, uh, with all deference to uh, to your fun show, uh, Ken, I love hearing somebody say, "I love Star Wars, not ranked." <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And your show is in the the fun spirit of let's all list some favorites, right? Not yeah. you know which one is the best and which one's terrible. Uh, but man, that is such a great a great way of looking at Star Wars of. 
remember, it's this vast, sprawling galaxy, and these are all tales uh, told to us by mysterious, ambiguous, uh, perhaps unreliable narrators. These are legends from long ago, and which part of the legend are we looking at today, and who is telling it to us, and why, and you know, whose eyes are we seeing it through? Those things are all make Star Wars just a lot richer to me, and I think that's a great way to look at an episode like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this episode partially because it is this culmination, this coming together of Star Wars ideas. I love that it is huge galactic stakes and ideas. Uh, the Empire is struggling to survive. Possibly, big underline, possibly, this is the story of... Uh, Moff Gideon helping uh, to bring the the first or the end or the final order about kind of big. Uh, this is the the fate of Mandalore, you know, a, a planet and a people and a creed we've been following for decades. This is the rebirth of the Jedi. This is Luke Skywalker going around the galaxy, rescuing force sensitive beings, saving people. This is who is going to rule in the vacuum created uh, by by Jabba the Hutt. This is about Empire, Mandalore, the Jedi, the New Republic, the Crime Lords. That's all going on. And our main character is walking through it going, I don't give a bleep about any of that. Mm -hmm. I just want my child to be safe. So Mm -hmm. you've got these great big galactic stakes contrasted with just the all-important intimate journey uh, of Din Djarin and Grogu, just these two orphans who found each other. And that's the heart of the story, even though there's all this other big stuff going around near it. Yeah. yeah. I, I've seen uh, some takes on Twitter, not just today, but just like social media stuff the last couple of weeks, actually, with this whole second season of, isn't it great that really when you look at it, Mandalorian is a background character who's like, cool, there's all this big stuff going on. I am, I am in the shadows and I like what's in, I'm, I'm interested in what's in front of me. Uh, and what, which is what you just described. All these things are so, we're going to have a lot of fun discussing, but I always want to come back to the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, his relationship to his child and what it means. And that's uh, where, especially on second viewing, I was able to focus on a lot more because the first viewing, I mean, come on. You're like, yay, Carson Teva. Oh, wait, that's probably Luke. Uh, and, and all these kind of things. And then and 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 the the heart of this episode for me, that you were talking about overall reactions, it is the mask coming off, tears flowing, and what I'm calling Din Djarin empty nester. It is it is graduation day. And I really was drawn to that. And I, I think you're so right to focus on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that th- there's so much to discuss in this. It's a. Uh, it's almost hard to know where to begin. But for myself, just uh, overall reaction. Uh, I really loved it, even though uh, it could have potentially been distracted by this or that. Uh, you know, the the CGI discussion, all that stuff. I I mostly just loved it because you know you got to step back, you got to connect to that joy. He's Luke Skywalker, and he's here to rescue everyone. You know. I loved what we saw of Luke. I loved um, how the story was told. And that, for me, overcame any of the how does it execute, how is it executed? For me, it is it's almost the Yoda quote of like, you know, luminous storytelling this is, not this crude matter. <laughs> Whether it's CGI or an actor or whatever, that's what it was about uh, for me. So the Luke Skywalker part of it, you know, I have a lot to say about the way that we saw him, what he was doing. But for me, the big picture thing on Luke is it is to me the right storytelling choice that 
Luke would be the one who mm-hmm. heard Grogu's call. That feels absolutely vital and true to the story of of Star Wars and the story of Luke Skywalker. And then you get to there's not a perfectly ideal way to execute it because we can't actually in real life de-age Mark Hamill. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you get into is it CGI? Is it is Sebastian Stan as many people on the uh the internet uh, advocated for and you know, I, I, you know, went through my different feelings of processing about the CGI. It doesn't always work for me, but ultimately mm-hmm. the storytelling, the luminous storytelling is what is most important to me. So, you know, I had my reactions to like, Ooh, what do I think? What do I think other people are going to mm-hmm. think? And then I was able to just, uh, as Star Wars teaches us, let go and love Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. We'll talk about those little details when they pop up. But yeah, that's uh, that's. Yeah, I, I was joking with uh, someone offline this morning, just like sometimes with the Mandalorian for me, Cat Napsok, I feel I have to rem- remember our own words here in Force Center, finding what we love and 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 engaging with the story presented to you. Because sometimes I have some bigger questions of just the execution of the show and everything, and that's that's all great stuff. We're, we're, we can discuss it, but at the end of the day what 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 moves you of the story let that move you let that part connect with you and i have to say it into a mirror like i'm in black swan constantly and that's okay and i want anyone listening right now who's kind of maybe there's there's pure joy online and uh, for this episode and there should be and then there's some people like well okay maybe this and that and there should be all is welcome at the table of star wars and uh, we just we're just going to let let the story move us yeah, exactly. And, you know, people feel however they feel, but I think you can also make an active choice to, to choose joy, to choose uh, the luminous, uh, to choose to be happy that Luke Skywalker showed up to rescue a lot of people. Um, a couple other just sort of big picture reactions to me. Um, in some way, I felt like the ultimate story of this episode was a, a tale of two hand touches. Uh Grogu touching the screen, watching Luke, <laughs> yeah, and then Grogu touching his papa's face, and just like the poor Grogu <laughs> needing, wanting both. Um, yeah. Another just big picture thing for me because I really like looking at how does the physical action of the episode uh, help set the the stakes and the ideas. I like that this was a this was a story of of hallways. This was a story of yeah. height claustrophobic spaces uh from the hallways to the launch tubes to being trapped on the bridge we talk about sometimes that destiny in star wars is moving people to the place where they're gonna face a challenge that they have to face to move forward and then when they get to that place what do they choose and this episode is almost like taking all these big these characters that represent these big ideas and you know shoving them through small spaces till they get to that bridge till they get to that point of choice and I liked that that was kind of the visual storytelling of the episode. Oh yeah, quite 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 literally all the way through uh, from the launch tube on on uh, on into the the hallway stuff. Like you said, yeah, I I love that visual, love that the concept of just this is this is the way, as everyone loves to say, this is the way forward, and, and you're going to find uh, find out what's going to happen or what choices you're going to make. I, I, great a great thought to point that out, sir. Awesome, 
Awesome. So we, like we do, are going to dive into the big ideas, the themes. We're going to talk about what's at stake uh, for the characters. Uh, and then as we always do in the second half of the podcast, we're going to dive deep into some of the canon stuff. So um, certainly as we talk about ideas and themes, we're going to talk about Luke Skywalker. We're going to talk about Boba Fett. We're going to talk about Bib Fortuna for the love of all that is holy and decent. We're going to talk about Bib Fortuna. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the what's next for Grogu, what's next for Din. We're going to talk about all that canon stuff, uh, which will come up as we talk about the ideas. But but if you're listening and you're like, talk about Luke Skywalker, we're going to. Uh, but uh, we'll make that our focus in just a little bit. So for now, let's dive into those big ideas. Uh, Ken, I think as you and I are talking about, there there is a potential for distraction from the story of the television show, The Mandalorian. So I just really want to start by talking about that big idea, that idea of this is the episode where at least for now, Din and Grogu choose their destiny. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that's that was the biggest takeaway for me is is the building on what Ahsoka talked about, building on what we know of Jedi and you know even Anakin going back to Phantom Menace and all those kind of things and kind of see this take on it, this view on it, and and what that meant for Din not having to make that choice, but knowing there kind of is no other choice. That's why I called it graduation day. We did, we, we keep talking about this being a show of a, a parents parenting father and son and, and letting go. And, and I've, I've always felt the Shmi sacrifice is one of the biggest acts of heroism in star Wars. And I think in a way it's, it's she, Shmi makes the same choice same thing about giving permission, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think she could have said, absolutely not, Qui-Gon. Uh, uh, thanks for your coffee and your your sly smiles, but get out of my hut. Um, I still think she could have made that choice, but she, she, in a way, gave permission, even though it was slightly, seemed more forced, I don't know, in the old way of the Jedi, anyways. So anyways, I I've, I love that moment. I love, I love, um, there's just a couple great nods from Din that are just kind of the, that deal with that theme of, 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 of allowing this to happen, the choice, permission, which is a strong word, but yeah. Yeah, there are conceptual nods and literal physical nods that are, yeah, yeah, that are yeah. very important. Yeah, I think this is um, what's, what's really powerful about the, these final scenes, these final moments. They're built to in the rest of the uh, episode, but it is really touching on these deep Star Wars themes about the power of, of letting go of the parent guiding the child, but the parent also presenting the child with choice. Cause that's such a big deal mm -hmm. that Shmi tells Anakin that this path has been set before you. And you can have some, you know, discussions within star Wars, within real world of, you know, should Shmi have given Anakin more guidance or is that, is that the path to say, I trust you, you know, I know you want to help people. I know you're a good person. This choice is before you. Uh, but definitely there's that going on here of, of, Din and Grogu are kind of asking one another's <laughs> permission to make what they think is going to mm -hmm. be the best choice. Absolutely, without saying attachment, without Din staring off uh, into the distance and remembering what Ahsoka told him, yeah, there are definitely uh, some ideas about uh, attachment. Uh, the key, the key theme to me in the, in the Skywalker saga in the relationship between Anakin and Luke is Anakin's fall is because he his fear leads him to love selfishly to just be afraid to lose and to just possess 
and and Luke finds the strength and compassion because it is about the other just wants to save just wants to help and I think that really gets drawn out here where it, it, Ahsoka offers the dark version of that of Grogu's fear of you, of losing you will lead him to uh, make bad choices mm. uh, where this very much uh, becomes about everyone involved in this Luke Din and Grogu all seem to be trying to make the the choice for what is the what is the best for Grogu what is what is selflessly the best for Grogu I, I guess I don't know if Grogu can selflessly <laughs> choose what is best for himself but uh, but definitely the adults in the room Din and Luke are figuring out how to do what is best for Grogu in a selfless way. Yeah. And just, I was really moved by Din's uh, and, and Pedro Pascal's delivery of, of don't be afraid. Right. Which ties into those big star Wars themes, but just that the idea of, uh, of saying, I mean, it could tie into, if you got to let someone go in your life, I mean, talking about life, death, that kind of stuff of just like, it's, you hear a lot of people say like, it's okay. You can go now, or it's okay. I'm going to be okay. Those kind of like deep kind of, uh, uh, you know, sad moments, but powerful moments and important moments and just kind of things you need uh, for your emotional well-being to move forward. And for Din to say it, acknowledge it, but also for Grogu to maybe feel that uh, it's, that's powerful Star Wars stuff going into real life you know yeah yeah absolutely um yeah i just wanted to walk through some of the ways that i thought that this episode uh built to all these ideas uh and yep. um because because i think there's so much going on in this episode it can be easy to sort of pass by some of the little building blocks that that make this episode truly about din right um mm-hmm. so he's surrounded by all these big picture galactic stakes as we've talked about you know and there's this great contrast to the beginning of the whole show and the whole journey where, you know, chapter three, the sin, you know, he wants the Beskar, but he can't, you know, and he wants to protect the Mandalorians, but he can't leave this child exposed. There's this real push pull. Look at how far he's come where he's basically said, like, you, you've got the Darksaber. You could be the leader of Mandalore in theory. And he's just like, I don't care. Uh, mm. He is so centered, so clear, so undistracted by anything but his quest. And so he's back on his game in contrast to earlier in the season where he's, you know, he's shaken by learning he he was raised in a cult. He's getting all this information about what it is to be a, a Jedi, what it is to be a Mandalorian by creed or, you know, by right or whatever. Uh, and he seems shaken by it all. And he kind of takes a backseat at different moments. And this, he's so centered in this episode where he cares only about Grogu. He literally says, he is my only priority. Everybody else is discussing what they want. And he's like, great, he is my only uh, priority. And I think it's powerful that he's, I think we've seen him in moments where he is, he has been clinging to the quest because he's a bounty hunter and he follows the armor and he's got a creed, but he's got this list of what to do, what to care about. That's kind of almost yeah. printed out for him, right? Mm-hmm. This quest is no longer, I'm, I, get, I derive my meaning from doing the thing that I have been sent to do. It's about w- what the quest is. It's not that it is a quest. It's about Grogu. It's about the subject of the, of the quest rather than kind of uh, finding comfort in the structure of a quest. Does that make sense? It, do, it does because he, he has a certain 
he, the way he's uh, it, it was, uh, the, the Peter Townley, the first Star Wars show co-host, uh, had that thread that a lot of people like that I did too. Of just there's he put a lot of stuff in there about Mando's way. It, it's it, his relationships are exchanges, right? It, it, it's mission. It's I do this, you do that. I get this, I need that, and and there, he kind of follows that. And that's a comfort. That's uh, like you just described. Is that's why I connected to that of just like your head's down, you have your marching orders. Um, I know who I am or think, and then you, that starts to slowly unravel. And so now I become, I find him more centered, especially compared to this season. We can go to some individual examples, chapter, um, 11, right. Um, the numbers always get so confusing. <laughs> Episode three, uh, you know, the, when he first meets Bo-Katan, he's just trailing behind, huh? Huh? Your helmets are off. Uh, we got a lot of episodes this year where the Mandalorians just kind of go, uh, what? Huh? Yeah. He's so far behind and, the audience. <laughs> yeah. And this one, I love when he was just was like, I'm going in alone. And compared to when he's trailing the other Mandos in, 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 in uh, the third episode, just kind of like a part of it. Definitely. Um, so anyways, I, I, I don't know if my response makes sense to you, sir, but you're, you're making sense to me of, uh, of, of now he, it's so personal. It's beyond everything. And his world has changed. His worldview has changed. And, and he's now centered. That's why he allows that, that, that helmet moment is, 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 is all about Grogu. It's no longer about him or what other one, anyone else in the room thinks it's about, uh, uh, this is, this is the, the point where you and I have this connection. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah. I, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think in order to build up to that moment that, uh, of, a full connection to Grogu of letting go of the creed and saying my connection to uh, this child is more important to me than any of these uh, rules I've been living my life by. I feel mm-hmm. like that's really well set up by the dark troopers. It's easy to see the dark troopers as just nineties fever dream, you know, right. Of just like, this is, you know, Luke Skywalker with his green blade cutting down dark trooper after dark trooper. It's easy to just see that as, it it is the the fever dream of the '90s put on screen, uh, and it is. But it is, it is. But it is also it so serves Din right because the episode doesn't really go out of its way to lean on it. It I think it trusts the audience. Uh, that brief conversation with Pershing setting up what the dark troopers are. You know mm-hmm. they are this um, army of soulless armor with nothing in them. The fact that Pershing spells out that, yep, they used to be these kind of cyborgs, but then Pershing's actual quote is, the human inside was the final weakness to be solved. Yeah. So not only is this army of just rigid, violent, punching droids, not only are they Din's actual nightmare of you know, the, the, what he survived, what he was powerless to stop when he was a child. And now with all of this uh, armor and all this experience, he still is feeling powerless, uh, you know, yeah. p- possibly to stop them as they are pounding on that door. That is his literal uh, lived nightmare <laughs> that, that formed him. But then this Pershing quote gets to this deeper level of this is when we met uh, the Mandalorian in chapter one of the Mandalorian that's exactly who he could have become. He could have become a, just a soulless thing in armor and the human inside could have been the final weakness to be solved. And that idea floating around really sets up that constant great Star Wars theme of 
is your humanity it is the, the stuff that makes us organic and flowing and uh, messy and and complicated is that a weakness is compassion a weakness or is it a strength and the fact that that this builds to him letting go of the creed him letting go of the literal physical you know uh, hiding behind the armor armor and showing this child his true face is embracing the opposite of what Pershing said of no the the humanity is the strength and and I'm going to show this humanity uh to this this child there is a completeness to the end of this story and I I want more and we're going to discuss what's next down the line here in this episode and beyond there's a lot of people wondering is this the end is it was this is this wrap this story up on the mando and the child again I hope not but with what you're describing there and what we go, what we saw in chapter one, I, I actually feel there's a, um, like I said, a completeness and, and, and the arc, the arc, or the circle, whatever you want to say has, has been all tied up in his emotional journey, what he's become from walking in and the, uh, you know, in, in chapter one into that bar to the helmet, to the tears and to the purpose and the why of why he, what he did. I think it, it works for me. If the, if this is the end, I don't want it to be, but if it is, I think, what you're yeah. Talking about. I think this uh, this forms a complete, you know, uh, book of chapters, and I want there to be more books of chapters in their relationship, and I think that's possible. But yeah, when you go to just sort of the the symbolism of as a child, Din was terrified of these monstrous droids, and he looked up and he saw a you know a, a mask of a Mandalorian, and that was salvation. And then when when Din found Grogu, and Grogu was about to be murdered by a droid, you know, Din couldn't didn't needed that face to be of the Mandalorian to be the face of of salvation the mask of salvation and then you go all the way to the end of this of what does Grogu need in that moment is for the mask to not be there and to have the human face and to have the human face be the face of sort of uh, emotional salvation and emotional connection that's all really really powerful full circle stuff Full circle. All my life's a circle. Sunrise to sundown. Ken stops thinking Harry Chapin. <laughs> yeah, and we uh, we already touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to look at um, some specific moments of the actual choices that are being made there um, by both uh, Grogu and Din and what's kind of being offered by Luke because Luke's not making any choices for anybody. Uh, the thing that really seems to make a difference is, is you know, Grogu senses Luke and comes alive and that's so great. And the way he is touching that oh. screen with like such sensitivity and then looks at back at Din, like Papa, my ride's here, you know, like that my connection is here. Uh, you know, there is a, there is a connection from Grogu. Right. And then you get that moment where Din is kind of clinging to, uh, he doesn't want to go with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's very much like Din's like, I don't want, I know this is my quest, but I don't want him to go and then Luke's got that great he's he's looking for your permission uh but then I think it, it really does become about the key thing that Luke says of that Grogu won't ever be safe without training and yeah. so it centers it to be all about what is best for Grogu mm-hmm. and that Din is making that choice to selflessly lovingly even though I don't think Din wants to part from Grogu, he is letting him go for Grogu's safety because it's what's best for him. And I think it's, it's, it's this great kind of step forward on the ideas of attachment in star Wars. Um, because there's a great balance in his attachment. He selflessly lets Grogu go 
because it's best for him. But he really, he really specifically says, I'll see you again, you mm-hmm. know, and he puts Grogu down and, and nope, Din doesn't shoo Grogu. Luke doesn't reach for Grogu until, right. uh, you know, in a moment of just great uh, Star Wars-ness, lovable, friendly R2 is what makes Grogu feel safe. And then Grogu reaches to Luke, right? So you're seeing choice from Din. You're seeing choice from Grogu. You're seeing wisdom from Luke saying, my arms are open if you want, you know, to come into them. Right. And I will teach you to take care of yourself. And from Luke's perspective, too, it's all about what is best for the child. There's no, like, Luke's like, I'm starting a temple eventually. There's no, the Jedi must, it's not about the order it's not about what Luke wants. It's about what Luke thinks is going to make the child safe. And I just love that it's a, a short, powerful scene, but there's so much. There's so many uh, wise and kind and selfless choices going on, and so much room to let Grogu truly decide. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I keep as you're talking. I'm I'm not comparing it. I don't know what I'm doing to, to the Anakin again, the Anakin and Shmi scene and, and how much Luke knows and or whatever, you know, if he's, if he's commu- communed with the force ghost of his father and learned some stuff, I don't know, or he just studied it or he just has some insight into it. I, I don't know, but it, it's, it's just a good bookend to that of, of not that one, not that the, the, the Anakin Shmi stuff was wrong. Again, I, I, I believe it's a big act of heroism from Shmi, but just um, even Anakin haven't, will I ever see you again? You know, now Din's pretty sure of it. Uh, again, you don't know. Future, there, future. There's a real, yeah. yeah and and Shmi says, you know, what does your heart tell you? You know, yeah. and uh, Din is, uh, you know, I don't think he's philosophical as Shmi. <laughs> and he's like, I yeah. will see you again. I promise. And it's just that great idea. Like our attachment is maybe a risk if we stay together in this way where we fear to lose one another. But mm-hmm. just because I'm, I think it's best for you to go and train and, and learn to take care of yourself doesn't mean that I don't love you and I won't come find you and I don't want to spend time with you. It's just yeah. that we need to believe that our connection, our love is strong enough that we can let each other go for a little while and we'll, we'll, we'll be together again. That's, that's a really nice weaving of the attachment themes. Yeah, yeah, which is a giant theme in Star Wars and one of those themes that we love discussing. Uh, one of the questions, what what kind of attachments go, what kind of attachments bad and the Ahsoka stuff and the Clone Wars. It, it this is that's some of the biggest stuff because I I still think you and I've talked a lot about that when you boil down. I'm boiling down a lot to a simple concept here, but letting go light side versus dark side, how you deal with that is perhaps the question. <laughs> I think choice and and given again getting outside yourself and plugging in the big all those wonderful but light side dark side what's one of the big differences to me it's power wanting power greed and part of that is not wanting to let go and and you boil it down to some simple questions about attachment and and the example here yeah Maybe. yeah and I don't think it's easy for Din to let go because as much as this feels be. like this is a complete chapter uh, for the relationship between Din and Grogu. Din does not look happy. And I mean, that ending is kind of abrupt with the way that that elevator closes. And Mm -hmm. Din is left with tears in his eyes, no Grogu, no ship, a broken creed, and a darksaber he doesn't want. The only thing he has is something he didn't want. So his story doesn't feel entirely done to me. 
Oh yeah. No. And what I was saying, like does not feel done, but emotionally like the growth of where he is, I'd be oddly satisfied. That might be for Ken and Ken alone. Um, but no, as far as just, there's a lot. Yeah. I'm rooting for this guy. I, he He's again, because and this maybe goes outside discussion. I was not super excited for Mandalorian going into season one. One of the reasons was I just was God. I hope it's not just underworld, badass, badassery. And I should have maybe trusted Favreau more than I, cause I am a fan of Favreau's work. I, I really am. Um, especially his Cubano sandwiches, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you and I were in discussions, you and I were in Chicago. It was like, look, I'm excited. I'm going to watch every episode. I, I just don't want it to be that. And the first episode kind of gives you that feel. And then it's just, it has become this, this journal entry of one person's growth, one person's breaking down of the walls around them, uh, the taking off the, the masks, which we all have. And, and again, it's, it's a, it's therapy, baby. And I, and I really am moved by that. And this on the second watch of this episode, I'll highlight that second watch. I was more moved by, by what Din and, and Grogu were experiencing at the end. And it ties in to the rest of the show so well. But yes, to your point, let's continue the story, <laughs> please. Yeah, yeah. And well, there's a lot to discuss there, so we will. Uh, but for now, we want to be sure to talk about uh, Din and Grogu's big choices, because I think that is the heart mm-hmm. of this show. That That's the ultimate heart of this episode. Uh, but there's a lot else going on in this episode. And the other big theme that I wanted to talk about, Ken, you just kind of alluded to, this uh, show is a show that is about individuals defining themselves about individuals choosing to uh, fight for relationships or small communities or individuals trying to serve big ideologies or ideas or organizations and uh, that theme has been running through this season really strongly and was just kind of explicit in this episode so the next big idea I wanted to talk about is just this idea of what or who do you fight for and Mm -hmm. What was so great is everybody had, for the most part in this episode, different agendas and they were aligned for a little while. You know, we get uh, Din being explicit of, I only care about the child. Through the child, he he gets some things for himself. He learns some freedom. You know, he, he lets go of the rules and the in the creed. Um, which creates this great contrast, I think, with Bo-Katan, uh, because Bo-Katan, when we saw her before, seemed a little bit more like, I'm not the rigid one. She seems like the rigid one here where now she has, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, a cult. It's not children of the watch like Din came from, but now Bo-Katan is hung up on some rules of this is the way that she, it seems like she's going to have a hard time letting go. Uh, but, you know, obviously Bo-Katan just wants uh, that dark saber. She wants uh, the, to, to reinstate Mandalore. She wants to get the planet back in whatever state it's in. Uh, it seems like almost for herself, she needs to tell herself the story of I took the Darksaber back to get past some trauma, I think. And then you got Cara Dune, who is really like, he's I need him alive. He is an ISB officer. He has that information that matters to this larger organization that I am a part of that. she, You know, she's had her doubts and her distance from. But now it seems she's all in of like, I am the new Republic and we need him alive. Um, yeah. Luke. Uh, like I was saying, it has this great uh, idea of like there's so much power invested in him is a, a, a in, is a Jedi, uh, both sort of symbolically and literally in this episode. Uh, but, you know, he says, I'll give my life to protect the child, but it will not be safe until he masters his abilities, making it really clear that Luke is not fighting for the Jedi 
he's fighting for this child. Uh, and then, you know, by the end, we get some of this sprinkled throughout, but the picture painted in this episode is that uh, Boba does not give a damn uh, if he's a Mando, doesn't seem to be like to be called a clone. He's just Boba Fett. Boba Fett yeah. is for himself. Uh, so we've got all these converging ideas of what you what you fight for. And and it's even emphasized that this works well for a while. That whole great um, hallway fight sequence of these uh, four women warriors, uh, they, they're right. literally having each other's backs until they get to the bridge. And then there's this tension of we all want slightly different. We're, we're pretty close, but we want slightly different things. Uh, yeah. So I really love that all of this. I think that's what kind of makes this pop of of Din is on this very uh, straightforward journey. But all these other characters are on these journeys that represent big organizations and their connection to them. What, yeah, what, were your, what are your thoughts on all that stuff? Yeah, well, I, so I, I wrote down the idea of purpose, which I, I, I'll put into this category or this subcategory fight what you're fighting for and everything. And it's one of the things I loved. And this is why I do love, um, you number one, discussing this with you and, and often just sitting around the campfire and, 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 and hearing what you got to say about it, because this is, this is a, there's a lot packed in this episode. I'm not saying overcooked, but there's a, your head can be spinning. Right. But one of the things I, I loved, I really loved Boba Fett being like, yeah, guess what? I'm still an a-hole. Um, <laughs> I like Cardoon being like, I, hey, guys, I am a ranger of the New Republic. Wink, wink. Uh, she doesn't say that exactly. But also, man, I'll make a decision for myself. And that can sometimes hurt the mission. Who knows what she had done, you know, if she had shot wrong or whatever the, with uh, Dr. Pershing. And then the, the stuff with Bo-Katan is, is, is like you said, it, it's um, she's being challenged. And I love when my characters are challenged in Star Wars or anything. But I love when someone's like, I believe this. And then something's presented to them and they go, I must rearrange my thoughts on what I believe, which I thought was a lot about last week, which is why I love last week's episode so, so much. So anyways, I was drawn to that because it's asking about what is what is your purpose? What 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 are you here for? And and, and that straight line is not always straight, but you're in that hallway moving forward. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the historic. We can talk about it later on. It's a, that's a historic sequence with, with the, the four women warriors leading the way there. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on, on who you serve and the purpose. What's your purpose? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I should have even put in this list, uh, Moff Gideon. Cause I think this is an episode that at least to me made it very clear that he is a true believer and he serves, uh, whatever the future empire is, whatever the order right. is to him, which we will talk about that as well. Uh, another big idea that I suspect can is rattling around in your brain that, uh, mm. that, you because we've talked about stuff like this a lot on Force Center. Um, yeah. The best way I could gather all these ideas together for a theme is who's the murderer? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of uh, arguments, honestly, from the bad guys, from the Imperials, trying to make that you the, we're all the same, you know, and ignoring these circumstances, in my opinion, of the violence and saying, you commit violence. So we've got that, uh, you know, Imperial pilot on the shuttle uh, in that great tent scene uh, calling, uh, basically saying, you know, Alderaan was a planet of terrorists and it was worth it uh, to blow it up. And and again, in in a real direct connection to the conversations that Star Wars fan had in, had in the 90s, making a big deal about how many people did die on the Death Star, uh, which is when he's just saying it, you're like, oh, yeah, interesting, right. And then for me, this is my opinion, you take a step back and go, 
but that's also coming from a guy who just shot his own friend in the back and is holding his other friend Pershing hostage right now, who's trying to claim the moral high ground. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, rattling around my brain. That's always, yeah, that's a good way to say it. A lot of things rattling in my brain. There's something <laughs> up there holding it down. Yeah, no, I, I, here's what I love about the scene, especially after last week's episode. I'll mention it again. We, we are not in an era where, eh, you, you know, from a certain point of view, the rebels were wrong too. That, that, that's not the era we're in in Star Wars. We're exploring what it really meant and what those actions meant. And yes, complicated, Cassie and Andor doing bad things for a great cause and hopefully it's all worth it. All those kind of conversations there. But I did like that moment because of what he's, he's not asking for mercy. He's not apologizing. He's, his heart is hardened which is understandable maybe from a point of view, but it, it leads to rot. It leads to destruction. And, and in this case, it lead, led to his because of what he's doing. Uh, you know, I, I, I get it, but it's not a both sides argument here. Yeah. He made a choice. He's made a choice. Exactly what he said. He shot, shot his, well, I wouldn't say friend, but shot his coworker in the back. Uh, that, that ain't good. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 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 and it's one of those, I, you know, Grace and I were watching this live, and when when, when Cardoon did that shot, uh, we both had a good yeah reaction. Yeah, she's not to celebrate the death of someone, but like, no, you, she's making a choice of who she's fighting for. Yeah, no, and 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 the Imperial says the you know, in the galaxy cheered, you know, and and we got we've actually seen that this season, right, <laughs> on Tatooine when they watching the hollow of the the second Death Star exploding, and that does inevitably call out the audience of like, yeah, yeah. hey, remember when the Ewoks danced because. You know, a lot of people died. And I, I like it because I think it does uh, play out this tension that, you know, Star Wars is a Saturday morning pulp adventure serial. It's got wars in the title. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite action moments. That's a big part of what it is. But Star Wars also, I think, does preach, you know, whenever possible pacifism. But then it's got mm -hmm. this great tension of, but if you know something bad is happening, you do have to stop it. Right. And I think it, it, it plays with all of that. And, and these kind of conversations offer us to examine our own opinions and, and, you know, yeah. our own theories on that. Uh, but I, I, it was powerful that that was the beginning of the episode uh, in an era where, yes, this is not like the empire is a legitimate government. And I joined the government and I've never actually, been on any of these planets that the empire is ravaging i'm in a core world that the empire treats pretty well and you know what's the problem you know this is they've lived through operation cinder they are you know kidnapping <laughs> uh yeah. at least this the the child and you know torturing him uh, and extracting his blood and you know, poor grogu's not looking good uh shooting each other in the back while while preaching morality is you know it's a thing um but but I love that it gets uh, followed up on Gideon calls, you know, uh, the Mandalorians who, who shoot everybody on the bridge, murderous savages. Uh, yeah. But this is also moments before Gideon uses Mando's compassion for the child to surprise attack him <laughs> from the back. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, I, I uh, many opinions and perspectives and yeah. essays are valid. I am sharing it with my own bias that there is that the bad guys do bring up some good points about the morality of violence, but then they often undercut it by doing something <laughs> that undercuts their own argument immediately. Yeah. I think it's okay to analyze like what, what you're cheering for, how far you're cheering for in terms of just the rebel rebels or that's, you know, I, I think it's fair to ask those questions, but, but I'm glad you brought up the Moff Gideon one because 
that speech, I think, I think there's a lot of truth in it. There has to be some truth in what Gideon's saying. Like, hey, I take the I don't I don't care. I got what I need. Like, there's some truth of that there. I think he has to be convinced somewhat of that. But then he and so I'm watching that going, all right, is he that type of villain? Are we gonna get that type of villain? Thrawn like in a way of like, no, 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 take the kid, like walk out with it. I didn't think for a second that that was going to be the actual answer, but you know, you have that doubt. Gideon could be that type to me, but then it's like, oh no, he confirms what he's here for, what his purpose is, what he's fighting for. And that makes everything he said before that, not just with a great assault, I think invalid. Yeah. He's made a choice. Yeah. And, and again, like, I think this is what makes Star Wars so rich because it is a valid conversation about Mm -hmm. the path of the Mandalorians. They fought a couple of civil wars over that. Uh, Bo-Katan's sister, Satine, had some really strong opinions uh, on what is, you know, is the path of the warrior the right way? Um, So there is some valid uh, discussions to be had. But Gideon basically uses that to go. And I see that you don't care about that. You're not like them. You just love this child. So why don't you go ahead and put your back to me? <laughs> just yeah. uses his compassion against him. And then, you know, I think uh, uh, following through that Mando keeps Gideon alive for Cara Dune. But it is also, you know, it, it's great to see that Mando is capable of that. Because certainly Mando probably feels a lot of anger and a lot of mm-hmm. fear of this guy. If the, every second that this guy breathes He's a threat to my child, right? So it mm-hmm. is, I think, a triumph that Mando doesn't put that Beskar spear through his neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I Because I kind of wanted him to, but... <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the Gideon. I, I, I was really... Gideon's... I, I, I really love Giancarlo Esposito. love that he's in Star Wars. Gideon, I'm waiting for the character, not to do more in a like a negative, punditry way, but just like, you know, if he was the lead of a show or if he was in every episode... I think I'm, I'd like him a little bit more, but what we get, I'm fascinated by him at times. And that moment was just like, hmm, interested. You're, you're going to keep me alive. Okay. I just, I, I really like that moment of all the things he's done. He's an interesting, quirky villain. Uh, I loved that moment. Yeah. And I thought, I think my favorite Gideon stuff uh, of all was him with that slightly bloody mouth trying mm-hmm. to goad Din in Bo-Katan into fighting, right? Like, on the yeah. one hand, he's saying, like, oh, you murderous savages. And like, why don't you why don't you murder each other right in front of me? Because it'll benefit me right now. <laughs> I did like that. Yeah. I, I thought I look, uh, I figured a Jedi would be coming. Uh, you know, the you know, that's just kind of the way it was going. But I thought I thought they were gonna go. I thought they were gonna you know, Captain America's uh, Iron Man. I thought it was, you know, one of them could do this all day. I was expecting that moment. <laughs> You're expecting a sudden Mando Civil War? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my last sort of idea within this is I like that we're seeing a complex Boba Fett that has many elements of the different uh, incarnations that we've seen. They're kind of all starting to weave together that he does have some amount of honor. He promised Din Djarin that he would help him get the child back. And he, he you know, he's Boba Fett, you know, one of the most notorious bounty hunters, you know, in the galaxy. And also, I'm just your lift driver for a while, Din Djarin, doing whatever you say to do this gets that done, and then is back to, I am a straight-up murder-to-take-what-I-want guy, which we, is what we get in that uh, great scene uh, with uh, Bib Fortuna. We're just like, you know, I think I'm done serving uh, crime lords. I think I'll be one. Yeah. Well, we're gonna, yeah. Where do I go with Boba Fett? Help me. No, I... Yeah, how are you feeling? I, I, I keep throwing uh, too many things out because there are too many things in this episode. Let, let, let me... Yeah. Focus my question a little bit, or my thought. How do you feel about the picture of of who he is 
like almost morally. I, I think I liked, I like it. I like, I like that it's, I like that he's a potentially still a bad guy, but I want to know more. You and I talked about going into the season, the idea of Boba Fett showing up, even though I, you know, over the years has been less of a Boba fan than, than I was growing up just because, you know, cool costume and all that kind of stuff. I really wanted to see more. I really want to learn more. And I knew we weren't going to get that too much in this show. I think we got more Boba Fett than I even thought or predicted we would, which I'm thankful for, by the way. So maybe in the book of Boba Fett, we get a campfire conversation where we get a little bit more about what he, who he thinks he is and everything. But also at the same time, he's pretty clear in a little amount of words. Yeah. I want my armor. That's my, I don't want your armor. I want my armor. Here's who I am. Django is my father. And in this one, like, I never said I was a Mandalorian. Boba Fett. And yeah. I was like, in that moment, I was like, okay, I can be on board for this and and figuring out from there. And now we're going to get more content figure, to figure it out. I liked it. I, it was weird because I, I don't know. I, I love the old man Fett look. I love everything. I want that figure. Hell, I want that costume. Finally, one I can fit in with my current shape. <laughs> uh, I, 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 so I was on board, but I, I was wary of uh, nice man Fett. And we didn't get that. And I think I was, so that was an expectation met for me. Yeah, because I think that there could be some changes in him based on whatever it is he's gone through since he right. got out of the Sarlacc. Obviously, it wasn't a great time for him physically or emotionally. Uh, he aged a lot. I, I was thinking, again, uh, you know, your great points of uh, how great Bo-Katan looks compared to everybody else in the galaxy. And like, I was like 10. <laughs> I was 10, 12 uh, when we uh, crossed path, you know, uh, is and now we're not doing as well. Uh, but yeah, like we, we know from general canon, he's pretty in the Imperial days, he's pretty vicious. And it's really, yeah, yeah. really interesting to see a person who's like, I really have my own specific honor. I don't care if I'm a Mandalorian. I care that my father, in my eyes, my father earned this armor and it's his and this is my father's legacy, and I'm wearing my father's legacy. You talk about whatever other thing you want. I'm making up my rules. Here's here's where I'm oh, fine being brutal. Here's where I think I should be honorable. Here's what the armor means to me. And I kind of, if you disagree, I'll throw you into a table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With uh, Cosca Reeves, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, as far as where, where I'm at with Boba Fett, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. And, and look, Fennec... That's a whole. That's uh, that's a gr- interesting. Such an interesting character. Can't wait to get more of her in the Bad Batch. Uh, Ming Na Wen voicing her there. That's gonna be cool. Yeah. Be just there on the side with some spotchka. We'll talk more about that. But yeah. Uh, um. Uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I'm so I'm stumbling because it's just like I, I've had a lot of Boba Fett's thoughts for years, and I am uh, I am satisfied. Yes. <laughs> it, uh, it's been a fine, delicious Boba Fett meal with uh yeah. with more Boba Fett on the way. Uh, kind of last big idea I wanted to talk about because it really resonated with me. And I think um, when I watched it a second time and really got over just the the thrill and the anxiety and the questions about Luke Skywalker, uh, I love the way that Luke was presented because I think it has this big picture idea of we talked about how this is the Mandalorian show. He is you know, uh, blowing past all of these big characters, these big events. But this was the, a time where we really finally got to see on screen the Jedi through the galaxy's eyes. Like, uh, not only did it serve to, like, build up the great suspense and the tension 
uh, of is that Luke? There's the X-wing. Uh, there's the hood. Uh, oh, there's the green blade. Oh, there's the black glove. There's this great buildup. But for the most part, we we cut to him a couple times. But our characters are literally watching him on a screen, right? Yeah. Uh, even underline the joke uh, or the idea rather of well, one X-wing. Great, we're saved. Uh, mm-hmm. So I love that they are literally watching him, almost the way that we watch Jedi. And from the perspective of the people in that room, like sometimes we have these Star Wars conversations of like, doesn't everybody know who Luke Skywalker is? Don't they have his whole, you know, Wikipedia entry memorized? Right. And I loved seeing from the perspective of the people on that bridge, just the legend of a Jedi. He just showed up by himself. He wrecked shop with a laser sword, said next to nothing and left. And you're just like, you know, when we've got these these bits of conversation and other bits of Star Wars canon where somebody will say like, yeah, no, I saw one of those Jedi once. I don't know anything about their order or when they died or what they believe, but I, you know, I, I saw one of them once, came through, hacked some stuff, took what they want and left. It was so great to not only get some quality time with Luke, but to see Luke in other people's eyes from that perspective of the myth of the Jedi and the practical power of the Jedi, like, you know, big deal that he cut through all those dark troopers that they had no idea how they were going to stop. So there was the practical, like, Oh wow, a Jedi is powerful and that is to be respected. And then also just so little contact that he remains mythic and unknowable. Yes. And I still feel this episode ends and I know slightly more of Luke during this time. And that's all I wanted. I, I've become, I really love this idea of, of, of Luke post fall, the empire empire going, you know, we, the, the Pileo scene battlefront two, we talk about a lot. I love that moment. You love that moment. Uh, a lot of people. And, and, and it was very uh, spiritually in tune to me, just the, the delivery, everything about it uh, was similar to me, but you know, you know, that he doesn't show up and, and the new Republic isn't behind him. He's not fighting the rebellion anymore. He's, he is doing exactly what you're, talking about and how that adds to the myth i and this is I, you know heir to the empire and all this other stuff like luke's right in the center of it um you know he's doing his own things obviously with marjade all that kind of stuff starts to happen but like i just really like that they've 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 built up the myth of of luke and and that is in line with force awakens i thought luke skywalker was a myth all that kind of stuff that he isn't showing up with a fleet of x-wings and y-wings and a-wings Carson Teva, though I need him there and other otherwise, if that makes sense, you know what I mean. I think that it, it, it's in line what you're thinking, right? Just it's like it is, it is, it's him on a mission, <laughs> Luke's mission. Yeah, and you can just see that what Cosca Reeves tells some, you know, Thorian in a bar about this, in that yeah. that Thorian uh, runs into a Wookie, and then that Wookie ends up on Jakku, and you know, young Ray overhears this telephone game story. Right of that moment we just watched, which was already kind of mysterious from their point of view. And you right. can see the legend grow. Yep. He doesn't say, cool. Um, uh, Grogu and I will be on uh, Tython or, you know, uh, you know, force center, force center prime. We're going to name our own planet. So, uh, you know, um, insert dumb planet name. Now, you know, he doesn't say, here's my card. <laughs> he just takes it. Yep. And we don't know. And he talks, he doesn't, you know, talk to anybody else in the room. He doesn't weigh in on what's going on. He talks yeah. to Din, right? 
He's not like, does anybody else, uh, you Mandalorians, are you okay with that Imperial? No, he's just, he just does his business and leaves. He really doesn't. I'm laughing because it's so funny and it's so great. I do enjoy that. Igniting the green was fine. It was awesome. Like, great. Uh, it's connected to Jedi. And I mean, that's, that's Luke's still more than that to me. And I'm sorry, I'll fight people on that. Uh, but it was great. It was awesome. Uh, we can talk about favorite moments a little bit later. But yeah, you're right. He's just like, hey, are you, are you trying to be a moth? What are you doing with the Star Destroyer? Nothing. What? Nothing. Didn't care. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe he sends an email to Leia later. I don't know. But he's just like, bye. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he he absolutely might have, uh, yeah, <laughs> emailed Leia or you know, mm-hmm. force skyped her, uh, not yeah. not to the uh, same level that uh, uh, the uh, the dyad there, uh, Ray and Ben. But yeah, he he might have let her know in some way. Yeah. But I love that it it really is this. I heard a a powerful force beings call, yeah, for help or just call for, hey, I exist, I'm here, and I'm I was asked to help. I came and I helped the person who asked me to help by you know that's some good jedi philosophy to chewy uh jedi philosophy to discuss yeah because you asked grogu asked grogu reached out yep. yeah I, I, I again we, 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 that battlefront two see i just love it so much i love it so much and i thought this um whether directly or indirectly i think it i think it even validated that scene even more for me in the video game Yep, he's going around uh, collecting uh, artifacts, making sure they're safe, you know, yes, and has that real great pacifist, you know, I didn't uh, kill you. I, I had to I had to fight those people because they didn't give me a choice. You did, so of course I didn't attack you. Come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great stuff. If relevant, you know, what did the chapter title mean to you? A lot of times uh, I feel like they, we feel like they can be taken lots of different ways. The Rescue. How did you feel about that title? It was Din being rescued along the way, you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the rescue. It was the siege. It was everything. It, it was direct. But I, I'm not. I'm joking. But I, I believe that in my heart as well. The rescue has been two seasons of Din finding something else uh, about him and learning about himself, uh, and 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 being rescued in the most sentimental Hallmark Christmas card way. I really, I really buy into that. And I really was moved by that. Again, that one sequence, that helmet, uh, watching it this morning over coffee where I wasn't like, oh, the CGI Luke. Just watching it over coffee, connecting to that moment. I'm so thankful to Joseph that you approached this episode with, there's a lot going on, but let's focus on what the core of the show is about, not this episode. That's the journey. That was the rescue for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luke brought a certain kind of tear for me as a, a uh, decades long, Luke Skywalker fan growing up seeing myself uh, in Luke Skywalker and then as a farm boy and then wanting to see myself <laughs> as Jedi master of anything uh, yeah. that was powerful but the, the puppet touching the man's face uh, it's hard not to start uh, getting teary here really powerful yeah. and I agree with you it's uh, you know it, mm-hmm. there's an interesting connection between you know, this episode and the episode where Grogu gets captured, the tragedy where they kind of let you know, like, yeah, no, that's a, <laughs> a bad thing's going to happen. This, you know, relieves a little bit of tension by just saying the rescue right away and mm-hmm. make you wonder. But yeah, it's it's so literal of Din literally, I'm going to do anything to rescue the child. Uh, the emotional hallmark journey that you're talking about, the mm-hmm. of the child rescuing Din, bringing him to a place of getting away from that creed and getting more in touch with his humanity. And I think the rescue is, is powerful because Luke's there for Grogu, but they really set the stakes quite well of 
probably everybody is going to die from those dark troopers. And it is literally, you know, one of Luke's famous lines from A New Hope. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Mm-hmm. He's trying. That's the spirit. He's not quite, he doesn't quite have that power in A New Hope. Yeah. He is the new hope, but he doesn't quite have the power to just be like, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. And in the rescue, Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker is like, I'm Luke Skywalker and I just rescued everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am even more fascinated as, as you and I talk about that. I can't wait to rewatch it after we're done here. And just, uh, again, it's in line. It is so, so in line. And it's a, a Luke full of purpose that hasn't been challenged yet. I am all for the growth and, and the obstacles and the pain that Luke is going to feel. I think that's part of his story. I can't wait to see some of those beats filled out eventually. But I love the change. Just here, just, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm going to rescue that to, to what you just described. Uh, this is a great addition to the Luke Skywalker story. It really is. Uh, last thing I'll say about the rescue. You know, this is a a finale. This is a closing of at least a part of the arc of Din Djarin and Grogu. Uh, and I, I, I do like the tradition that it's in our title. You know, we got uh, Return, Revenge, Rise, and this is The Rescue. I like that. Uh, I think we've talked about a lot of them, but any other sort of larger Star Wars themes reflected in this episode uh, that, that you wanted to spend a little bit more time on? No, I mean, we really, yeah, I know. Yeah, we, we, uh, we had fun diving in because I think this episode is so tied into the big picture. So a lot of it is, um, a lot of it's there, but just, yeah, the big picture stuff, that's the purpose, the sacrifice, um, uh, and, and what it all means. But, but the, you know, the stakes, uh, I, I'm interested to hear, I keep harping on, but the, the, what the new Republic thinks about a lot of this is some of the bigger, and it's not a theme, but it's a, it's a plot <laughs> that I want to connect with. So, but so but a lot of these themes flow into that to, for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you, and I think this really told the, this intimate story of of this, the strength of letting go, finding the the balance uh, of of attachment, and making compassion a strength, but also not being afraid to let somebody you love go if if that's what they need for a little while. I think that's all really powerful. Uh, this is a Star Wars theme I harp on a lot because I think it comes up a lot: is the organic versus the mechanical, and I think mm-hmm. you know the the dark troopers being this soulless marching stomping punching unstoppable unfeeling you know image of death that's that's really like you know the the death stars the kind of original technological terror the stormtroopers mm-hmm. their matching armor the the clone troopers bringing you know uh, the galaxy to war at the end of attack of the clones there's a lot of different ideas and images of it and i thought this was one of the most powerful of uh there's so much organic uh and flowing and loving things going on in the motivations of our heroes in their verses just this you know soulless uh marching mechanical uh, evil and, and i think that got re- reinforced with the tunnels and the tunnel of ties of just literally just shooting out those ties uh even mm-hmm. Kara's uh, jammed blaster i think had a a feeling of that you know the the technical and the mechanical versus uh the organic and the flowing which was great uh mm-hmm. and then i almost felt like this theme was a little bit of a, a pre-theme setting up uh, adventures mm-hmm. that are to come. I loved that Moff Gideon made it clear that uh, this last Jedi theme, that stories and myths are powerful all by themselves. It's, it's other places in star Wars. I just think that last Jedi really chooses to elevate it. Um, but yeah. That uh, idea that you, you, you need to, it's not just having the dark saber. 
it's the story that you took it from me is what matters. And I think that kind of ties to the way they are very much watching the Jedi on the screen like they're watching an episode of Star Wars. You know, it's almost like they're watching Star Wars on the bridge. Yep. I, yeah, I, I slid that quote down a little bit later, but a great idea to bring it up here. The Darksaber doesn't have power. The story does. And that worked That worked for me just in the moment. A lot of just Bo, Catan, the armor. And yep, there's some questions we can talk about different different views on the Darksaber and other Star Wars storytelling. But that resonated with me because that's that's uh, it's not quite Bilbo or Frodo closing the book and going, yeah, I just wrote a book about the story and it's all meta. And but it, it, it has that feeling for me. It almost is like Moff Gideon was turning to the camera and going, it's all about the story versus the, the, the surface level symbolism. It's what's beneath it, what f- flows and fuels the stories. That's the real reason, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, any, any other big ideas you want to talk, uh, talk about before we move on to things we disliked or questioned? No, no, go for it. Okay, so we always wrap up our first uh, our first half here with anything that we disliked or questioned. So, Ken, uh, anything eating at you? I've, I've, um, let me clear my throat. Make it Carson Teva, you cowards! Come on. <laughs> no, uh, it, 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 Luke fits very well, and and we can talk about the the choice and the other Jedi choices that were out there. All interesting, but Luke. Luke works on a lot of levels. I uh, I really do love the character of Carson Teva. I have a real good uh, place in my heart. And I kind of wanted the Monty Python and the Holy Grail ending of just uh, the New Republic Rangers show up and shut everything down, turn the camera off, and say, enough of this. Uh, I, I uh, knew that wasn't going to happen, but uh, that's the only thing I... Uh, I just want more, and I hope I hopefully hopefully we'll, we will get more of Carson Teva. He's a great addition because, again, he really represented me. Looking around <laughs> going, high fighters... Land the clash, a start a st- Someone's got to pay attention to this. Please, please. Come on, everybody. So, yeah. yeah. You know, in terms of that, we can talk a little bit more about the technical stuff uh, when it comes out. But, yeah. yeah, that sounds good. We'll talk about that as we talk about uh, all things Luke Skywalker. Uh, yeah, I think for me, a uh, super, super little pedantic thing. Uh, I, I like that there was this tension over the Darksaber and Din just turned it off. But when they, in that great tense moment where they're all facing, uh, the dark troopers pounding on the door. There's a part of me that almost just wanted a shot to acknowledge that nobody is picking up the dark saber. Is it because they don't think of it or is it because both of them are afraid? Both Din and Bo-Katan are afraid if either of them picks it up, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also hashtag where's the pulse rifle would have helped here too, but uh, you well, know, now no, we know it's blown up uh, with well, the Razor Crest. Yeah. Finally, a reason for the Finally. pulse rifle not being there. You're right. You're right. I stand corrected there. Uh, yeah, no, I like that. I, I didn't really think about it until you brought it up uh, about that. Yeah, I, I would have been like, honor be damned. Give me the saber over the dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only other thing for me is this is a joking one for the most part, but Bib Fortuna, get mm. yourself some better people on the door. What crappy security you have, Bib Fortuna. Well, look, we've got some slimmer down Grimorian guards. Uh, you know, it's a different, uh, they've all been on P90X or something over there. And uh, he is clearly not. Also, you and I just recently did the, uh, you know, somehow Blank has returned episode. So now we can add Bib Fortuna to that. 
Yep. Somehow Bib Fortuna has survived and thrived. Uh, and my, he is sitting on the throne, uh, which we will uh, talk about a lot. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about uh, the big canon stuff. What comes next? Uh, favorite comedy moments, action moments, all that great stuff in just a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian, The Rescue. We are going to dive into canon lore connections to other stories because there was kind of a lot of it. We talked about bits and pieces as we talked about the big ideas and themes, but this is our space to just nerd out on all the connections and the what-ifs and all that. So let's start with the big one, Ken, Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. Talk me through the what was joyful about it for you and what was, uh, you know, held you back? The great, uh, I think, uh, CGI discussion of 2020 that we're going to have here. I think that's the only thing that held me back. I have been really excited about this potential. There's other Jedis, uh, Ezra, uh, Mace Windu, Quinlan Voss, a lot of opportunities uh, to put some other characters there. I just... Favreau was in charge. If, if it was just Filoni, I, I, maybe it could have been Ezra. And we would have been explain, explaining Ezra to a lot of Star Wars fans who just never watch Rebels. And there's a, believe it or not, folks, there's a large population of Star Wars fans who would have been like, who now, what now? Uh, I, I always kind of thought this was a real possibility and seeing where the show was going and seeing the big names showing up, the all-star team of, of characters, which is, is there's some good to that? There's some bad to that in terms of just the Mandalorian as a show for me as a fan, but I, I've been real excited. So the moment that X-Wing showed up, Carson Teva jokes and references aside, I, 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 Grace had a reaction. She went, is that an X-Wing? I went, I think that's Luke. And I, think it really worked for me on that level and then how it was handled cool you got your ignite the green moment of course you would and it's great stuff but what we all talked about so i don't want to remix in the, from what we talked about in the first half of the show but that's why it worked for me spiritually the emotions of it the execution of it it took a big swing and depending on the tv you watched it on it worked better but that's also been something we've dealt with in movies and, <laughs> and other shows recently, too. What, what settings of your TV or, or theater is a question we all have to ask maybe sometimes too much, but it's a reality. Uh, so I had two different experiences with that this time. With the actual CGI. Yeah, the, for, uh, the first time uh, we, one of our TVs in-house, in and very fortunate to have multiple screens and watching our laptops and everything. We live in a great time, great world, fortunate to be in that. One of the TVs is so crystal clear. Uh, no joke. It looked as though his head was off his neck. <laughs> and I would, that was my first viewing, and I was a little, I don't know if I like this. This morning, different viewing, different setting, laptop versus TV. It, it, it looked fine. I'm someone who doesn't have as much of a problem with Tarkin as other folks do, though I understand it. It's a big swing. It's a big swing. Even in some of the Marvel stuff where it's done really well, some of the DAG, De Niro, I, I, I don't have a problem with it overall. Uh, and I'm excited to see Mark Hamill's name in the credits. God, that's great. 
Um, but yeah, so it, 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 it hit because of how, um, or the why of the scene, I should say, not the how, but the why of the scene, how they pulled it off was okay to me. Yeah. Okay. This is all great stuff. Um, and I think it sounds like you and I went on a, a pretty similar journey. Yeah. We had a conversation, uh, I think in, in the tragedy episode about, all right, all right, everybody's asking the question, you know, which Jedi might potentially answer the call. And I think we both found ourselves surprised to go, but it's gotta be Luke Skywalker, right? Because, right. and that's where I really come to, I said it at the top of the show that this feels so right for the storytelling. You know, mm-hmm. I floated Quinlan Voss because that, that would be fun. I, you know, if it was a, a Jedi that we've never heard of for some reason and they had an interesting story to tell, they're great. But this is where Luke Skywalker is in this part of the, the Skywalker saga and this part of the Star Wars lore. This is what he's doing. He is uh, finding old Jedi artifacts. He is looking into any any remnants of the Sith. He is trying to be the holder, uh, you know, the keeper of the flame. And so if, if somebody, some lost soul, powerful in the force, but confused and frightened, called out, Luke Skywalker would come. And I'm so glad uh, that he did in the fact that the storytelling, the luminous storytelling is so powerful to me that overpowers any other concerns, um, ultimately. You know, and I went on this great joy ride of the X-Wing popped up and because everything was kind of about the factions and who cares, I was like, ah, hi, Carson Teva. Now all the other X-Wings are going to pop in, right? Sure. And this was one of those, like, you know, have those those thoughts think faster than you can speak. Like I had all those thoughts within half a yeah. second. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Right? And then no other X-Wing. And then the, like, holy crap, that's mm. Luke Skywalker. And then as soon as Cara Dune says... Oh, one X when we're saved, you know, right? So this is great, great, you know, journey of, okay, I'm 99% sure that's Luke Skywalker, but how are they going to handle it? And each beat is a confirmation, you know, that that famous Return of the Jedi silhouette with that hood, you know? And then we're seeing him on the screen. We don't see the color of the blade. And then we do, and it is the green blade. Uh, And then, you know, we really see the black gloved hand uh, up close. You know, we see the hilt of the lightsaber. We see bit by bit by bit driving into like, he walks in there and there's there's no more games to play. You know, mm-hmm. that hood's going to come down. Uh, and it was really fun for me to go through that journey. And then I, I watched with my wife, Sarah, this morning. And when the X-Ring popped in, she was like, that's, that's, that's got to be a Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. But could it be? Uh, who will it be? And like, you know, she loves Star Wars, but she doesn't have every hilt memorized, you know, and mm-hmm. she... She was saying like, yeah, I was, I was uh, trying to, I, I know Luke had one, but you know, who else has a green one that might be around, <laughs> you know, and she yeah. went through a different journey being somebody who likes Star Wars, but isn't as, you know, all in uh, as, as, you know, somebody who hosts a podcast uh, multiple <laughs> episodes a week. So it was great to see that journey. So in love with it, seeing the action, the power. And then, the, and then I think it just, for me, it is that the, the number one thing is that this feels absolutely right for the storytelling. Mm-hmm. The second thing is this truth that there is not an ideal way to do it, right? Because we, yeah. we can't actually de-age real Mark Hamill. Right. <laughs> uh, so we can do CGI or as many people on uh, social media is like, 
really wanted Sebastian Stan. You know, I suppose we could also uh, cast an unknown actor. And for me, once you accept that, if the storytelling is the most important, then you have to accept that whatever the hood reveal is, is going to be, you know, maybe not ideal for everybody. I, I personally, this is just total opinion time, not telling anybody else what to think. I prefer the CGI to an unknown actor or Sebastian Stan to me is a phenomenal actor. If they were going to do a separate Luke series and we got to spend quality time with him, I'd be okay with Sebastian Stan. But for this, it would have just been that huge buildup of, and again, this is for me, it would have been Luke Skywalker is coming. Luke Skywalker is coming. Bucky is here. <laughs> from yeah, yeah. the MCU. That, that would have been my personal reaction to Sebastian Stan. So ultimately, the CGI, while like uh, on one hand, extremely impressive for my level, and we all have different levels, as we've talked about with, you know, Tarkin and uh, Leia, you know, it works great. The CGI works great. If I look at his eyes, it gets shaky if I look at his mouth. That's my personal reaction to the CGI. A hundred percent. And the hair, they'll I mean, perfect. You and I were just really studying Return of the Jedi last week for the deep dive show. The hair is great, but it doesn't, it, it falls a little for me too, but no, it's the eyes. It's, um, it, it's, it's the, the essence and the aura. And it's interesting because, you know, let's, let's discuss a little bit here too. I really agree with you for this particular moment. This is, I'm happy with this big swing. It's, it's no surprise that a show that is cr- recreating the way you shoot things for television or beyond would do this kind of, the technological uh, swing, as I keep saying, um, swing for the fences, baseball reference, whatever you want to say. If they go forward, you and I are Alden Ehrenreich fans as Solo. You and I, I really love what he, he did in that movie. Uh, I would want, if you get a, a series, not, we're not, I'm not anticipating a, a, you know, a series, but I would want to maybe try with an actor, Sebastian Stan or otherwise doing it. But for this, this moment, and seeing Hamill's name in the credit, that is part of the nostalgia punch that I enjoyed. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I've seen the face of Luke Skywalker as we know it generally in this era. And I, and I think they did a good job of like aging it up slightly from yep. Return of the Jedi. That It's been a few years. Uh, he still very much looks in his prime. He still has that, you know, kindness uh, in his eyes. But he's got that uh, Jedi Master seriousness, you know. And if you, if you uh, let go of you know, uh, being really particular about the CGI, I get all that, you know? And the very first viewing was the whole, like, uh, oh, my God, it's Luke Skywalker, but how long of the conversation is this going to be about the CGI? And, you know, uh, in in the fandom community, and once I let all that go, man, I just really enjoyed the scene for what it was. Yeah, well, because I think they did a tremendous job of of just presenting Luke as he is right now. I, I, I... Again, going back to that damn scene I love so much in the video game, uh, Matt Mercer, uh, a friend of ours, we know Matt, Greg, he's the voice of Luke, and there was some pushback. That doesn't sound like Luke. That's not Luke. But I, I don't. I think you're wrong if you go back and just con- connect with the emotions, the themes, and the whys of that scene. It becomes Luke, and and they really present, they capture Luke uh, on at the end of Return of the Jedi. They build from there, and it 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 and it has the essence. And this really. You, know, you got Hamill doing the voice or with some processing or whatever it is to make it sad younger, much like he did in the forces of destiny, by the way. Um, yeah, it, it, it all starts to fade away by morning right. faded away for me. I, w- I did go to bed going, well, I don't know about that. And I'm still kind of like, Oh, that, you know, I'm 80% there, but you're right. Um, they did such a good job presenting the why and that this was Luke at the time. 
then I'm on board. Yeah. And as you say, the voice is impeccable, right? Yeah. Because, uh, and, and I, you know, I don't know all the technical details. Maybe they're being released uh, now as, as we record. Uh, sure. But, you know, there's, there's been some stuff where, where like sometimes in the, in the, more recent Vader stuff that James Earl Jones has done. Sometimes it sounds great. Sometimes the voice does sound, you can hear the age. Um, I didn't hear any age, uh, you know, and again, I'm not going to speculate on what exactly the technical process is uh, because they'll tell us eventually. But what I received was absolute perfection (laughs) to Jedi master Luke Skywalker's kind, soft-spoken voice, you know, well, there, there's uh, one particular moment. You, again, you said focus, uh, focus on the eyes, and that's often where that's often where the uh, you slip into the uncanny valley. I think, right? Um, the example of just video games. I mean, you, you know, I can play my sports game and go, and go look. That looks like a real baseball player until he looks at me. <laughs> I think that's where false, but I think this is this actually succeeded in this. And, you know, it's probably Mark's eyes. I'm so curious. But hopefully, the D- Disney Gallery series or, or special touches on this, and I, I think it will. Uh. Yeah, yeah right like right like come on yeah, um come on yeah no but there's a moment uh I'm glad you mentioned it, uh you know where it's just like he he just kind of looks over gives din a look or gives baby baby grogu a look and i'm like yeah yeah that no that that that's that's watching his father burn luke that is uh taking the mask off his father luke it it, it really synced up yeah yeah that is the that is where i learned the word pensive from a return of the jedi trading card with a picture of luke's luke saying a pensive luke skywalker and i went and asked my mom what does pensive mean because luke does it <laughs> and that is he was he was pensive uh, i want to talk about uh, since we got we got clear of the the great uh, debate of what is what is the way to see luke and how it landed there was just some great kind of canon to me in seeing luke in this moment because you know, it is uh, some years after Return of the Jedi. He has continued on his path of uh, utter mastery. It was, it wasn't, I think there's a power in, to me in like the, yeah, of course, I have always wanted to see Luke with the green lightsaber in his prime, you know, tearing through something like Dark Troopers. Uh-huh. But there was just, it, it was beyond just that nerd cool. You know, there's that difference in the lightsaber fighting styles of the original trilogy. Um you know, that, that Mark Hamill has talked about how in the original trilogy, they were mostly, mostly two-handed, uh, considered a little bit more broadsword. And then they were, in the prequel trilogy, just every fighting style imaginable for, for swords. Um, and this had this great mix where it, it, the, the saber was still held like it really had weight uh, mm-hmm. behind it. But there was a little bit more of the, the, the flow and the flip and the block blaster bolts from behind the back. And it looked perfectly to me like the Luke Skywalker that we know from the original trilogy who has been studying the masters of old. And it, it, I mean, a part of what I'm building to of just pure Star Wars nerdery of there was a lot of connection to his father. You know, we never got to see Luke tear through a bunch of droids with a lightsaber and the force. We've seen his father do that countless times on yeah. the big screen and on Clone Wars. And there was this real connection uh, to Anakin. Yeah. And a lot of people obviously comparing the, the Rogue One hallway scene and like father, like son. And yeah, I think that's absolutely there. And I, I like what you're saying about the connection uh, Luke with a little more study and a little more training. And it's look, it's video game Luke. He is smashing that X button several times. <laughs> and that's okay. That's part of the fun here, man. And, and absolutely there's people crying over that and they should 
and they should. And this episode created so much joy for so many people. Is is it's fun because again, it's Star Wars, baby. I love it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I I think if you really want to go beat by beat in the moment, he's not just being badass Luke. Um, it's it's a continuation of of again what we know. That's the biggest victory for me with how they handled Luke. Is it he wasn't just dropped in a little bit like the figures dropping into the playset, but <laughs> it wasn't. I think there was some purpose and thought, clearly, purpose and thought. And why wouldn't there be? They've shown every step of the way, whether we agree with everything they do or not on the show, they do it with great purpose and thought. Yeah. And I think that that there was that connection to Anakin, definitely the connection to uh, Vader's hallway of death in Rogue One, but this was Luke's hallway of salvation. And I mean, uh, mirroring those shots. Uh, of the the door opens and there's steam and there's that you know blade glowing there and that i think ev- evoking rogue one worked really well that everybody else in that room who's had up their ups and downs with jedi are just like uh, death is beyond the door what are you doing and it served for us to to draw that contrast between it's not just about their fighting styles it's that vader's hallway of death is this uh, depressing horror show of the reality of of how uh you know impotent the rebellion is against vader's power and this is the complete opposite of that of luke saving a bunch of people's lives to get to a child who asked for his help uh and and seeing that we get we know that as fans no one in that room knows that except for grogu and just looks at his dad like my ride is here. Open the door. You can trust that guy. You know, yeah. the, the, the power I, I I'm joking about my ride is here, but you can see the way Grogu turns and is like, daddy, right. he's here. Mm-hmm. And that the purity of that. So I love that there is, you, I've already seen on Twitter, the comparisons and it's fun because there is a comparison of cool action, a red blade and a green blade, you know, blazing through a corridor, father, son, but at extreme opposition is, yeah. You know, absolute opposition of Star Wars. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. They handled it, again, that's a theme, that's a theme. They handled it really well. They handled it really well. I'm going to say one other thing, and then I'll let Luke Skywalker go for now. You don't have to let him go, Tom. <laughs> I can watch this episode anytime I want. I love the line, talent without training is nothing, because definitely mm-hmm. that's about, look, uh, he's, he's, he's going to be a target, and he is a danger to himself and others, and he can't protect himself if he doesn't have training. So I'm offering it, offering it. Yeah. But talent without training is nothing. That's, that is Luke. That is the, the connect, that line connects Luke of the original trilogy to Luke uh, from The Last Jedi, right? Because that is said by somebody who cut their training short uh, on Dagobah and, and ran away mm-hmm. and it didn't work out for them and yeah. really recommitted to, Yoda's lessons of, you know, the most serious mind, you know, the Jedi has to be very dedicated, mastery, pass it on, you know. Uh, and then Luke in Last Jedi, having failed to train Ben well, being fearful of training others, and having Yoda have to show up and go, yes, training is great, mastery is great, but human lessons are important too about, you know, failure and and folly and this line i feel like is is speaking to luke's mistakes in empire strikes back and luke's fears in the last jedi right like it's like a it's it's at the, the intersection there yeah yeah a luke skywalker intersection all, all right. right yeah sorry anyway well, oh, I've, never, 
I'm not ready. But that's why I, I kind of referenced it early. Um, while wrestling with like, did I want Luke back? Yeah, I did. You know, I think it worked. Did it look good? Eh, I don't know. Maybe depending on your TV, all those kind of things were in my head. But then I woke up this morning and I was like, but you know what? You know what's great? We have another chapter of the story of Luke and we know where it ends, but we connect to that. We know where it begins. Quite frankly, literally the moment, you know, he's held in Padme's arms or, or, or you know, named. We have so much of the story and we have this era, era and area that needs to be filled in. And this is a great chapter to continue to study and start connecting the, the, the emotional canon to. And uh, that more than anything excites me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it tells that story that, you know, uh, I think the star Wars saga shows, and I think is true of life is, you know, we're not defined by uh, We're defined at many different points uh, along our journey. And to see Luke in this moment of uh, power and confidence and kindness, truly helping Grogu is, is really powerful and great. It's a, it's a fist pumping moment uh, of action and emotion for Jedi master Luke Skywalker. Yep. Uh, which brings us to the next big canon thing that I wanted to be sure to discuss of what will become of Grogu. We knew this was going to happen as we were watching it. The internet erupted in. Does this mean Kylo Ren killed baby Yoda? <laughs> the great fear confirmed in some people's minds. I don't think, uh, I think confirmation is a little bit earlier, early for that. But what do you, what do you think about what's going to happen to Grogu? This is the kind of thing we, we deal with all the time when we have, different points on the story on the timeline filled in. And then we've always got these, you know, force users <laughs> who are heading towards possible uh, tragedy. What do you think about Grogu's future? Do you think he's uh, safe from Kylo Ren? God, I, you know, I, 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 I hope I get, yeah, man, it's really dark, but yeah, I think so. I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> No, um, but it's like the Ahsoka thing in Clone Wars. Like she's got to be dead by Sith. Well, does she? We'll figure it out. Uh, uh, you know, maybe Grogu uh, ends up in um, in the unknown regions, uh, opening up a an egg store. I don't know. Um, no. So the uh, what I um, what I what I enjoy uh, about the this thing, this uh, moment here. Sorry, I was as we record getting a phone call, which always really messes up my computer. God, I love technology. It can give you Luke Skywalker. It can also <laughs> upset your podcast. Um, so let me refocus my brain here. Um, I'm going to make, Joseph, I know this shocks you. I'm going to make a Game of Thrones reference here. What, what I'm kind of, I know, what I kind of want with Grogu and Luke, I'm not going to say have to, because that's a, that's an absolute. I don't think we're done seeing him. And I don't think we're done seeing him on the show. But he needs to go away, and it needs to be a little bit like when Bran disappeared in season five. Why? Because he was just getting the training he's needed, and you don't necessarily spend need to spend all the time with that. We could get, could you get dig, digital Luke and Grogu the show? Yes, you could. Could you get a novel, a book? Yes, but training. I think he returns. I think he returns to something different. Uh, does does fifty one make you a little older in in Grogu years? I don't know. Or fifty two? You know, I don't know. But that's where, I, that's where I look at the future of Grogu. He goes away. He becomes something else. Din moves on. And then when the time is right, when it will really have an emotional punch, but also an importance to the story, I do think he returns. And he re returns to something special. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I think uh, we should look to other storytelling to caution ourselves from making jumps and leaps. There are many, many years uh, between uh, Grogu being taken by Luke Skywalker and uh, the events at the Jedi Temple, which you know, many people are also 
passing around the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book story, which uh, complicates the destruction of the the temple and and Ben Solo's culpability. So for people who haven't read that and uh, should should go check that out. But yeah, yeah. I, I think you know we we watched as you said all of the Clone Wars going well. What's going to happen to Ahsoka? I watched all of Rebels going Kanan and Ezra. What's going to happen to them? Um, this is this is a part of the storytelling of Force users in certain sections of Star Wars where just um, <laughs> doom hangs over them, uh, and often there is a interesting way that. Uh, <laughs> that they escape doom. We still need to know the ultimate fates of Ahsoka and uh, Ezra before uh, the events of the sequel trilogy. You know, I, I think that Ahsoka, I think Ahsoka is going to Mortis eventually. And, you know, mm-hmm. we'll see how much room there is, is that I, I keep uh, in my own Star Wars headcanon, my, uh, my hopes, my predictions, my dreams, reassessing who all is going to Mortis with Ahsoka. <laughs> so at this point, is it Ezra and Grogu? Uh, is it something else? Uh, or yeah, or is it that Grogu? You know, I've, I've been really intrigued by this idea that yeah, he's his species ages differently, and he is still kind of an infant. But also, has he been set back because of trauma? Would did was Yoda like you know talking and having conversations and sitting down for tea uh, by the time he was fifty, and and Grogu is behind because of trauma? You know, is it that Grogu is going to train with uh, Luke a little bit, and then Din will just go to visit him? And yeah. Grogu will be like, how are you today? Or today, how are you? Uh, depending on how they talk. Uh, hey, Dad. Dad, <laughs> how are you? Yeah. Uh, but I just think, you know, it, it, it's it's fun to speculate and it's fun to to joke. But, you know, there, there's, there's literally years and years of storytelling in the Star Wars timeline, years and years of potential storytelling uh, still to come. And the answer to uh, is Grogu safe from Ben Solo is, we don't know, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, Dark Staber custody. Let's talk about uh, some of the other big stuff that's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, who does it truly belong to? Uh, I'm sure that uh, people are discussing this. I haven't had a chance to dive this deep, but uh, did review my Rebels to clarify that, uh, that of course, uh, Ezra found it, and in, in, in Ezra and Sabine found it in Maul's hideout on Dathomir, uh, and Sabine did win it, right, by defeating uh, the Mandalorian. Not yeah. the Mandalorian, but uh, Gar Saxon, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then she gave it to Bo-Katan. She offered it uh, more than once, I believe, but then Bo-Katan accepted it without defeating anyone. And I don't know if people are going like, hey, that canon doesn't match. Um, but I was really intrigued by the idea of, like, is this uh, not a storytelling you know, flaw, but a storytelling gift where Bo-Katan's like, this time I need to win it because I, I gave in and I took it as a symbol without winning it. And this time yeah. I have to win it. Look, connecting to lore is the only thing that matters in Star Wars and you have to get it right right now. Um, <laughs> it's a gift. It's a 100% a gift. And we seem to say this a lot. But with Filoni involved, the man in the cowboy hat, there's no way he'd be like, sure, John, that's great. Just change things. Uh, you know, we, we remember we had those questions of helmet on, helmet off, Jedi, mystical wizard warrior. Why, why doesn't Mando know? You know, we got that answer. And I think it's an absolute gift and key to the story of Bo-Katan. Perhaps it was a, I took it from Sabine because it felt right. 
she bequeathed it and I earned it in a different way. And then I, and I don't want to, me as a fan who loves that episode of Rebels, loves that, loves Rebels, but loves, there's a great emotional power to that episode and that moment when she mm-hmm. holds it up and all the houses bow down. Or, you know, I don't want to, I don't want that moment undercut, but it is not unlike to me, I'll say it, not unlike the, the victory of Endor and then reality sets in after. I'm okay with a little bit of that reality in the romance of Star Wars. If she comes back with some of the stuff she's saying early in the episode, if we shown that spine or all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I have it written down right here. If yeah. we would have shown half that spine to the Empire, we never would have lost our planet. Yeah, and so her as a leader, is 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 the loss, does it have to do large part with the Empire and the, and the full anger of the Empire coming down on them, the wrath of the Empire? And does it also have to do with uh, she lost the lost the lead a little bit, lost and 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 maybe there was some people who, upon thinking about it, hey, you didn't earn it, you were given to it anyway. I would love, and I think it's a gift that we would get more of that. Yeah, I feel like this is absolutely uh, setting up more uh, future storytelling for sure. Yeah. Um, my wife and I had a fun conversation of uh, I I think I interpret the story that the spirit is you you defeat somebody and physically take the dark saber from them. But if it were the other kind of thing of just like um, you beat whoever is in possession of it, that's an interesting change. If they don't, if you just have to beat the person who is technically holding it, but does it's not literally there, mm. which would mean like, you know, Ezra and Sabine never beat Maul, uh, yeah. Obi-Wan did. And then Obi-Wan was defeated, uh, you know, by his own, uh, he allowed it, but he was defeated by Darth Vader. Mm. And then, you know, in combat, eventually... Luke doesn't kill Vader, but he beats him in battle, which means if it worked that way, you could make an argument that Luke walked in and is like, hey, that's mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I rolled 20 for the dark saber. Yeah. Um, and, and I just want to be super, super clear. I think the way I interpret this storytelling is it means literally physically take it from someone. So I, that what I just said was a flight of fancy. I'm not uh, pushing yeah. that as my actual opinion on canon. It's just for fun. Fun. Imagine that. No, yeah. Look, Dark Saber doesn't have power. The story does, and and I think that's uh, we're gonna get that story. Uh, you know, this is something I uh, it was excited for even going into the Mandalorian uh, live action. Bo Katan was something many of us have been saying for a while. Wouldn't that be cool? Just like I say, live action Iden Versio and Rangers, and uh, give me more infants nest or live action Ray Sloan. Bo Katan is one of those characters, and then the Dark Saber shows up, and you're like, well she's got to show up now or we got to find out what happened. Cause that was hers. So we're getting those answers. There's more. And I thought that was some of my favorite bo stuff was, was Katie at the end, just kind of being like, mm, I won't, can't, no, I can't take it. We got to fight. Yeah. That's which is yeah. why I believed it. I thought, Oh, well, we're going to get a big fight from them. It was just such a great flip between where the two had been at when they met you know, uh, Din and Bo-Katan where he was so rigid of like, you, you know, you're only a Mandalorian if you follow this exact creed. And she's like, come on, you know, this is the way. There isn't one way. There are many ways. And like kind of opened his mind up. And then he's like, what? You, you have to kick my ass? Why? Just take the damn thing. And she's the one being rigid now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where is it still on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. There's a lot going on in that room when that door to the elevator closes. There is. We need that. That's yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. They all turn to each other and then they see that saber on the floor <laughs> and they all leap for it. <laughs> yeah. Does Care Dune care? Probably not. Uh, 
All right. So uh, any anything else on that? No, it's uh, juicy stuff to come, I hope. Yeah, I hope so, too. I think that's that's the stuff that makes me feel like, yeah, no, there's a lot of Din Djarin's uh, stories still to be told. Uh, I wanted to focus on this because it, I think my opinion changed a little bit this episode on some connections to uh, the sequel trilogy. Uh, there's the line from Moff Gideon who, where he says, Grogu has been blessed with rare properties that have the potential to bring order back to the galaxy. And he really underlines the word order. Um it, of course, you know, when we saw the the experiments and the things in the vat, many people were like, that's Snoke. And I was like, yeah, absolutely could be. Uh, but now I'm feeling a little bit more since the show has taken a big swing with Luke that it is heading towards a, a big swing of setting up, you know, uh, first order, final order. Uh, how do you, How are you feeling about that these days? I want it to. I actually want it to. I, I, the the reason being is without a doubt, you and I are fans of, of the sequel trilogy era and the movies and the storytelling and what's there. And to take this series, which is part of that era, but is loved by many people um, who, who are connecting to star Wars again through Mandalorian, if it can do anything, and this is just me speaking personally outside of the review of this episode, but if, if Mandalorian could start to move and maybe provide some answers and connect and make people uh, re-examine what they think of the sequel trilogy, much like, say, the Clone Wars did for the prequel series. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that, and I'd love to see, I'd love to see that happen somehow, some way. Again, Luke uh, showing up and being more part of it. I don't know, or many Snokes. You know, I don't have one Snoke, let alone many Snokes, and necessitate a gun wreck. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for that. And then, then you could get. Then I will start calling for Ray Sloan. I will start calling for it to go to the unknown regions or some of that kind of stuff. And I think it's fine to take it that way. I always say, I, there's no way you would have uh, had me believe that Rebels begins, and one of the things I get to see is Obi Wan versus Maul. That I would have been like, how? Why? it's totally not and and here we are possibly on something like that i would be okay with it yeah yeah me too i think i have uh said before i i had the uh prediction slash hope that uh moff gideon would be wanting the m count the midi-chlorians say it um to to try to experiment with giving this power to himself i i thought that was an interesting and, and different way to go and i wasn't sure if the mission of this show is to connect to, you know, such large canon. But for, for this episode, uh, the way that they portrayed Gideon, that he was a true believer, that he is willing to die. Uh, he's got that fear of the Jedi. He even attempts to kill the child, uh, you know, instead of having anybody else possibly hold on to him. It, it, particularly the willing to die. That made me go like, okay, you know, Moff Gideon is a true believer and he is doing this. You know, the way he says to bring order back to the galaxy is definitely whether he knows about the first order, final order, whatever, whether he knows, whether he's uh, personally talks to uh, the shattered remains of uh, of Chief Palpatine or not. It felt to me in this episode that he is clearly a true believer who is trying to restore some version of the Empire. Yeah, I'm still. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. And I'm still on board for him kind of driving a lot of that. He's he's an interesting enough villain. There's some wonderful charming clunkiness to him that's a choice that's how they presented the the e-web speech i always go to because it is kind of like i said charmingly clunky to me he's evil wikipedia yeah 
Yeah, and, and they mentioned it. And I, I was going to say knowledge is kind of uh, one of the themes in this episode, knowledge and w- how you hold on to it or how you give it out. And I was focusing on Boba Fett going, well, I never said I was a Mandalorian. <laughs> it's like, what? what? Um, so, yeah, going back to Gideon, like I, I could be on board for a quote unquote smaller story, but I think it's I, I just I, I would love what, what we could maybe get out of it going beyond that. Yeah, yeah. And this seemed to me that that threat is probably going to be followed up in the Rangers of the New Republic. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kathleen Kennedy said on Disney Investor Day that Ahsoka, Rangers of the New Republic, Mandalorian will are, are culminating in a climactic story event. So I, I think that they're going to kind of separate out some of these big ideas, but then they are really going to come to a head in some way. And it, it makes sense to me that it, it might be this sort of, and that's how the first order slash final order really began kind of moment. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's talk about Bib Fortuna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, living high, living large, put a, put a throne on Jabba's throne and is in charge. A great kind of inside Star Wars fun baseball that he was played by Matthew Wood. Yes. Yes. <laughs> played him in the Phantom Menace, right? Thank you. I wrote that down. I'm glad you highlighted it. No doubt you would, uh, would, uh, it wouldn't, uh, yeah. Like that's awesome. It made me. Yeah. How did you feel about that whole, uh, that whole, uh, teaser trailer for the book of Boba Fett? What, well, what were your emotional reactions? What did you think about all that? Well, I missed it. Um, when the episode ended, uh, you know, it's a little, number one, it's a little late for an old man like me. Uh, Grace is really excited. We were talking about Star Wars. Our chihuahuas were barking. And, you know, the credits are playing. And I did notice that we didn't have the concept art as, up as much. But I shut it off. <laughs> are you are you kidding me? Really? I shut it off. And it was like, but, but I got to tell you, because part of me was going, Luke's head was floating off his neck. I got to go process this. Right. Right. It really was. It really was. It did not look right on that TV. And so I was just like, I get, I got, and, and Grace, her credit's like, I'm wired. She goes, you gotta, you gotta understand. Luke was the first man I fell in love with. Like, you know, come on. Like I'm excited. Uh, and uh, I was like, I, I just, and then again, credit to our four setter discord people. I just took a swing to make sure no one's uh, yelling at each other and we're all getting along, having a good time as they always do. And someone said something about the book of Boba Fett. And I was like, no, what that beep is that? <laughs> I'm like, what's going? And then, literally, I I see another, po- and I go, wait a minute. I tell Grace, I go, hold on, we got to. Bring- There's something wrong. And then my Ro- Roku remote wouldn't work. Apparently, it slammed it down too hard or something. Where it hit uh, the batteries died right after the episode. <laughs> I couldn't get it back up. Then I started to sweat. I started to get angry. And I got got to go fire up my PS4 over there and I watch it on the phone. Like what? And she's like, hold on, I got the remote on my. F- phone you, you idiot and uh brings it up and then, then i saw it so i had a weird experience with it because uh, t- last night or early this morning i was just like i saw it and i went like uh, okay i gotta go to bed <laughs> and so this morning i had more time to think of it personal journeys with ken wow you, you stayed and watched the whole thing you had foresight well i mean this is the uh, i didn't have a, a, a chihuahuas or a partner to worry about it was just uh, me and my whiskey and my uh, my boba fett action figure that i i bought uh, specifically because mm-hmm. i was excited and and had had boba fett facing the screen so he could watch himself uh, shout out to uh, jeremy bullock by the way uh, of course yes original yes. Uh, original man in the armor who who recently passed away uh, yeah. great great uh, i think just contributor to the star wars fandom culture he was such a great presence at conventions um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I, I had that it, when Luke showed up, this is one of the many things going through my brain of like, okay, last season 
we had the tag of the dark saber that really took it to this next level and really had this speculation. And mm-hmm. at some point I was like, well, maybe this will be a, 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 a smaller scale story. And, and uh, this will end with the Jedi walking onto the, toward the scene stone on Tython. And you go, Ooh, and that, and, and when Luke showed up, I was like, well, the, there's going to be a tag. It's not going to be that. So what the hell is it? So right, I waited right. through those credits going, what is it? What is it? You know? Um, yeah. And I was delight. I oohed and awed. I was delightfully surprised when it was Jabba's palace of like, what, what business do we have here? And then seeing, seeing Bib Fortuna mm-hmm. and seeing that, uh, that staff, this is what, you know, obviously uh, it's in the movie, but I so know it from his action figure, you know, yeah, his yeah. Kenner action figure back in the day. And, and I, lo- I loved that picture that he survived and basically tried to replicate uh, Jabba's life. And that to, that to me is what it's about. I, I'm not seeing them as hiding out there. I'm seeing it as he managed to, take the reins of the criminal empire and he's he's living large and in in living in luxury uh and then boba fett's like yeah you know what i'll take that uh, I, I thought that was yeah. great yeah and he, and, he, and he says each of clunky and and that's my favorite <laughs> new star wars thing ever so yeah no i i uh you know i'm, I'm not gonna spend too many hours of my life wondering how bib fortuna survived uh, other than he did um but you know, correct me if I'm wrong. He was on the katana, right? Uh-huh. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing I can remember of him not being there. Um, but that's fine. And 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 we we know from aftermath, you know, that it was it was a wide open kind of untamed world after Jabba's collapse, and we got five years for him to recover himself, uh, gather some support, kill Rada, maybe I don't know, kill the other Hutlet that was at play with Cobb Vant. And uh, take the reins, but take the reins badly, you know, not good. Yeah. It's a facsimile. And, and like you said, bad, no Bomar monk uh, at the front door uh, chasing after Boba Fett. Maybe, maybe he did. Maybe he shot him. Um, so I, I liked that. I liked the, uh, you know, rest in peace, Bib. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the uh, idea of course is that, uh, that Boba Fett and, and Fennec Shand are just such badasses that they made it through. But I really like that it looks like he does not have good security at all. Mm-hmm. I, I also just love the brutality of it. I thought it was both, you know, funny and horrible of the like, you know, I've heard so many rumors. Bang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> chuckle in the bang. Uh, yeah. And uh, very excited to see what the book of Boba Fett will be. We've got a lot of time to speculate on that. So we'll move on for now unless you wanted to say more about the book of Boba Fett. No, I, you know, my thought, my wild, crazy thought, here's my wild, crazy thought is, remember those rumors that Mangold was directing an episode of Mandalorian and he denied it ferociously, quite frankly. And <laughs> uh, now we hear Robert Riggers replaced a, a director last minute. We don't know. My wild, crazy theory is that had to do with maybe them going, all right, that movie you were going to do, let's maybe do a Disney plus version of that. And that, that there's some wires in the scoop game got crossed on that. Yeah, yeah, I I would buy that, and I'm very very excited uh, by you know if I'm if I'm right, and that's that is kind of the the symbol of taking the reins of the crime organization. Uh, Bib Fortuna's picture on Wikipedia, by the way, has already been changed to his most recent appearance. God bless. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so 
I, I'm really interested to see, you know, I think we're going to get some more reasoning of like, where was Boba's head at? Why did he not? People have been asking this. Why did he not take his armor back before now? Why did he choose mm-hmm. to? And But just this real like, you know what? I am going to be the crime lord instead of being hired by the crime lords. You know, mm-hmm. that's fascinating to me. This new territory. Um, yeah. Other little, just little bits. So we'll go through these quickly of, of, uh, Star Wars canon, literally an ion canon from Slave One to a Lambda class shuttle. That's right. just cool to see the uh, the specificity that that uh, tattoo uh, of Cardoons is the is an Alderaan tier um, mm-hmm. that might have been mentioned before, but that uh, that really popped to me. Uh, I had been hoping Ken that we would see a Mandalorian gauntlet fighter. I'm so happy that we got to see one in live action. Now I just need to see one take off in flight. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, more takes on what actually happened to Mandalore. Uh, I loved uh, hearing Boba Fett say the Empire turned that planet to glass. Uh, previously, we've heard uh, you know references to the Empire just devastating the planet as well as the people. Uh, and Bo-Katan at one point saying, "Yeah, well, there you know, there's more to that story than than you think." You know, and I think Din saying like it's it's full of you know you're doomed if you go there. So right. I'm really right. intrigued to see what is the truth of that eventually. Um, I love that uh, in canon, uh, Boba kind of referenced it uh, last week, but just explicitly thrown in his face that Boba's a clone. It's not your father. He's your, he's your donor. Yeah. <laughs> and he was not a fan of that. That was great. Yeah. I've, I've heard uh, your voice thousands of times. Loved that line. Right, right. And that, yeah, that is one of those like, yes, I know. I've watched those episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels, right? <laughs> um. A detail uh, in that barroom scene that I think is really important, uh, ongoing canon, is when uh, Bo-Katan says to Din, if you should manage to finish your quest, which, you know, he does, he delivers the child to a Jedi, uh, she says, I would have you reconsider joining our efforts. And Din says, fair enough. Not his normal, like, (laughs) my word is my bond, here's my honor. He's like, sure, whatever. But now they're there, alone on that bridge with the contested dark saber i think that line's real important to the future of yeah. din's story yeah uh, oh i agree yeah totally uh i love seeing the uh the ra7 protocol droid but it, again from the kenner action figure perspective that was the death star droid just great to yeah. see him wandering some imperial halls uh great to hear about ray shields and blast doors being sealed uh there were some uh, fun uh background characters in, in Jabba's palace you know that we had the the weak way that was referenced, uh, we had a, a Gran, maybe Reese. How many people survived? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max Rebo right in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Come on, I was I was waiting for a salacious, and then of course the McClunky. Ah, uh, yeah. Everybody's everybody's new favorite Star Wars shout out, McClunky. I, I'm there for it. I love I love George put it in there, and I love that now it's a now it's a thing. Yeah, and it it just it does go to uh, Star Wars being fun and whimsical as well as exciting action, big lore, thoughtful themes. It's there's fun and whimsy too, and boy is McClunky fun and whimsical. Uh, we have talked a lot about a lot of the big ideas, but I do want to leave us just a little bit of time here to talk about just some of the wow that was cool moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have a favorite action moment? I had uh, two I marked down. Uh, I, I don't want to bury the any leads you want to go with. No, uh, you go uh, for it. Yeah, uh, the, I'll just I'll just I'll just dump them out here, and, and, and we could pick up the pieces you want to talk about there. First, reveal the green blade. They actually seen it. It it was I say there's the only mom, moment I really popped for in that sequence, 
in the sense of I'm not a very excitable watcher of things. Grace will tell you that. Uh, I just got to sit there uh, with my hand over my chin, just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that for this. While other people were jumping up, screaming, waking up neighbors and crying, it doesn't mean I didn't feel it on the inside. I just went like, okay, mm, got it, got it. That moment I went like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I just thought it was, you know, ignite the green is a, is a thing. Um, going back to, you know, steel, and I know steel excited too. Got it. God bless him. But um, it was a great shot. And then the other one, I'm calling it, it's a cheesy comic booky kind of title. I apologize for it, but I'm calling it Four Ladies, Four Guns. It's the <laughs> short, uh, short run comic series I want. Just them running through the hallway, kicking ass. Pretty historic moment, I will say, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, and since one of them has two blasters, you have four ladies, five blasters. <laughs> there you go. Don't you do the math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely great stuff. Uh, there's a, a ton of beats that I liked uh, just from, ooh, that's cool, to a little bit more meaning. I, I've talked a lot about I loved how much the Dark Troopers were punchers. <laughs> uh, and that helmet punching of Din was just brutal. Yeah, just brutal and and really emotionally effective. Um, it was really we, we've seen lots of individual little great moments from Fennec Shan truly using. Uh, but I felt like Ming Na Wen was you know unleashed in that great run of uh, kicks and blasts. It was great, but I really loved the just uh, the quick dodge of a blaster bolt that was mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, the, oh, but I, I, I'm glad you caught the punching scene of the helmet. Like, gosh, I had a concussion just watching it, and uh, <laughs> that was great. That was something new. Right. I think they might have punched his mustache from last week off his face. <laughs> ah, points to Scribshaw. He's on the lead. He's got the lead. That was great. Uh, as we go through every week, I'm just a sucker for a trooper falling from a high place. And I loved the stormtrooper falling through the shield and just falling into space. Brutal. I mean, we've, fall, we've seen them fall into volcanoes. We've seen them fall into water dams. Now we've just seen them fall into actual space. The highest place you can be, Ken, space. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little terrified of that. The airlock stuff, uh, you know, yeah, it's a, I thought it was could be considered a callback to uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica, uh, uh, you know, uh, launching people in air, out of airlocks. Uh, oh, yeah. A, yeah, that's a thing for me. I've, I've talked about it before on the show. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be floating in space to my death, so I felt for that trooper. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great traditional Star Wars. Like, wait, so you mean people can just pass through that, and there's no rails on this bridge over? Th- this, what it's what are you? Uh, yeah, bad design, bad design, bad design. No OSHA in the Empire. Um, a lot of people were, of course, expecting, hoping for the great uh, dark saber versus Beskar spear fight, and we got yeah. it. And I, I thought it was great. Um, I, I think just for uh emotional i loved that they really clearly really clearly established that uh the blade couldn't cut through uh pure beskar mm-hmm. but then that great tension of that big orange lightsaber burn in the center making you feel yeah. like it was going to give away at any second yeah. uh but th- and then just the that's cool uh din did that that kick where he kicked the back of the beskar spear and flipped it yes yes that's yes. just, that's just cool move train fighter yeah and then i mean the luke stuff all of it was amazing and you're right that uh, it was almost i'll have to look but there was a a little bit of a similar framing of the kind of way he and the blade moved into the shot as ahsoka you know Mm -hmm. white blades and now seeing his green blade and yeah i mean his in particular that last uh hallway run uh uh you know because the hallway of salvation the comparison to vader 
and then I just I love it. I loved the the force crush of like I've got them all out of the way, <laughs> and I'm just going to you know just reach out and and crush this last one. That's that kind of thing in Star Wars of like you know you you can make up headcanon for you know why that's a Jedi tactic of cut them all down with your lightsaber and then really use the force on the last one. Like you can make up headcanon for why that's fight logic, yeah, but for the viewer it's also just damn cool yeah yeah like i said smashing that x button or the uh r1 and uh or l l1 together you got a chokes crushing power and uh, that is a part of why we show up each week to watch this stuff it was that just that just you know power fantasy which i think is fine as long as you're Mm -hmm. thoughtful about the other stuff It, it was like the I, I just took out this many dark troopers, so I strung together the super cool power move that you can only do if you kill this many dark troopers. And then you hit that button and you get a force crash. Yeah. It is great. Uh, moments of comedy or, or whimsy. I, I thought this was kind of fascinating because Peyton Reed, uh, I think, did a great job as a director. He's obviously from the Ant-Man films in, in particular, is, is known for comedy. I didn't think there was as many moments of uh, of whimsy outside of McClunky. What did you think? Uh, did you have favorite moments of comedy or whimsy? Look, uh, uh, Car uh, Car Dude's X Wing line was really funny and 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 I'll say well delivered. Uh, I, I did like that moment. Uh, but yeah, comedy wise, uh, I think it, the tone was right. There wasn't a ton of room. I, you're, there's always a you can always have some room for comedy and everything. But I, I think this played it. No, no, no time for snark. No time for snippy comebacks and everything. It, it was the the weight of of the plot uh, took it another direction. I thought they did good there, but there were some moments there. Um, but in terms of just whimsy, I, I yeah, R two showing up great, but R two and Grogu, and in my head canon, I have a little bit of uh, R two going, "Hey, I kind of remember you," and Grogu going, "I I remember you too," and beep, beep, beep. right there you go. They could have actually encountered one another uh, back in the Jedi Temple. Because R2 would remember. And again, I don't necessarily think that's that's what happened. It had, it's just my little headcanon of just fun. I'm just, I do kind of like R2. He's the droid who knows too much. And, and he would be like, yeah, hey, oh, cool. Totally, totally. Not a lot of other Yodas walking around there. Uh, I remember you. Yeah, super powerful stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I've got a short list, uh, but yeah, the the classic R two wiggle of uh, happiness, uh, you know, friendliness, engagement. You know, there is a meta element of it of you know R two being you know one of the sort of adored characters of uh, of Star Wars tradition, meeting you know the newcomer, Baby Yoda. Uh, but yeah, but then the actual connection between R two and Grogu, and it just is so great in that moment that Grogu kind of seems to know he should go with with Luke and and Din's trying to let him go but he kind of he can't until he sees something shiny and friendly and fun and weird and it's that's just the power of R2 you know yeah yeah so so good there um I, I felt like it's fun whimsy of, of in a certain way Moff Gideon knows everything and will tell you about it. They definitely kind of yeah, yeah. uh, leaned on that. There was a, a weird, funny Moff Gideon line where he tells Mando to kick the blaster over. And when Mando does, he's like, very nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like his form on the kicking the blaster over. What yeah. was it? Uh, yeah. But my single favorite was because uh, I think it kind of got to the heart of uh, the episode of all these big ideas versus uh, that everybody else is concerned about in in Mando's like I don't care uh, 
when uh, uh, Gideon does that big push of, you know, you must fight for it. And mm. it's such great delivery. It was just like, I yield. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. That that to me is like the what it, it's a, it's a laugh line, but it yeah. is a laugh line that it ha- is born of absolute and total truth of like, here's the contrast is here's this mountain of weight. And he's like, I don't give a crap about any of it. You built a mountain and I just pulled the last bottom yeah. piece of your mountain out. I don't care. I yield. Yeah. And, and there, there, there's great comedy of character and, and, and playing to the weight of the moment. No, you're hundred percent right. And, and just this like, yeah, what, whatever. I, 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 almost to the point where it's like, I was expecting him to try to hand it to Bo-Katan and she like runs around going, nope, no, 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 don't hand it to me. Don't hand it to me. And like a little comedy scene ensues. Yes. Great call. I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, it is. It's almost like a pain for the check kind of battle at, at a group. It is. I, I'm just leaving this here. It's, I mean, the cash is going to be on the table, so do with it what you're going to uh, Yeah, great stuff. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about Peyton Reed as a director. Were there any directorial moments that jumped out at you? I think just finding the center and the core of this episode, as, as you brought up in the beginning, and being able to focus on Pedro Pascal and a puppet and getting so much out of it, but taking the time for anyone listening who might've been like me going to bed going, wow. Okay. A lot of stuff there. Is this the show I still like? Is this a show I fell in love with? And, and there's part of me that, you know, will always look back to chapter two, chapter 10 and chapter 15 and go, that's what I love more about the show. Even though I'm aware that it's got to grow and it's got to go somewhere and it's not always going to be these quiet little tone poems of, uh, you know, uh, lone wolf and cub. Um, he was able to connect to that and, that going to your discussion up top, jo- Joseph, is why I was able to put it, put any questions or doubts or CGI concerns aside and just focus on that and how it is in line with the show that I have been uh, really enjoying. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, well said. I, I think uh, Peyton Reed did a lot of, uh, made a lot of great choices that I, I think, you know, obviously things are in the script, but I think the way he shot it, uh, the way he uh, directed the actors really brought it out. Uh, the these steps of the Luke Skywalker revelation, like I said, from single X-wing to there's his silhouette to he's he's got a blade, but it's on the screen to the feeling of of truly seeing a Jedi through other people's eyes. I thought was just masterful. Um, there was that this great moment when Mando and and Boba walk into that cantina together, and it's not the exact shot from the opening from the first chapter, but it evokes that first chapter. And it, it raises that question of, you know, is, is this still Mando? Is he still just kind of a soulless bounty hunter like he was in the beginning? And, you know, it's kind of the way Mando and Boba were framed. There's a similar shot of the Dark Troopers later where they're kind of in profile, but kind of the same. And it, it invites you to, to ask, you know, how much they're individuals versus how much they look to the outside world as just being, you know, the, this, this group of faceless warriors. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really great. I think everything he did to emphasize the just cold mechanical menace of the dark troopers, the, the close-ups of their eyes and the, you know, the, the punching all just super great. Um, and then final thing for me, that last shot of, of Boba Fett and Fennec Shand, there's the, the way it's composed, the way that she's lingering there with the blaster in one hand and the booze in the other. And Boba's just like thrown. I have power. It's such a beautiful picture. It really brought everything home. Yeah, and it's okay sometimes just to be unapologetically, let's take a poster shot, <laughs> you know? 
absolutely. That was a splash page, man. Yeah, you know? it really was. It, it, I know a lot of people, I haven't really checked online, but I, I know a lot of people are probably going to gravitate to that once, you know, people can tweet freely uh, uh, and with no spoilers and all that kind of debate going on right now. That 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 was a great shot. And, and look, Fennec Shan is growing really fast into a, a very popular Star Wars character with a great performer bringing life to to her. And, and, and uh, I'm very interested because we, we will discuss, we have so many times to discuss this, but the fact that she Fennec frees the, 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 the Twi'lek like sets a different tone for what might go down there, you know? And yeah. does, um, if Boba's like, you know what we could use as a dancer. And she's like, only if we hire one that wants to be here, you know, <laughs> I, I really love that moment. I thought it was great. And it really was like, yeah, yeah. The, this is a new, this is a new way. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Very good. Uh, we always talk about any moments that seemed inspired by action figures. Uh, I, w- I was really taken by Bib staff because uh, that, again, mm-hmm. like I, I oh, stared okay. at that as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, that hallway scene to me, Luke Skywalker with that green blade cutting down dark troopers is, is literally something you could have constructed out of your actual action figures in 1998. Yeah, I, the, the example we always talk about and, and many others talk about of, of Favreau playing with his toys, this to me was Christmas morn uh, in December of 83. Uh, and he, his parents hand him, uh, and he's probably a little bit older, uh, but his parents hand him the new Kenner Luke, um, which I get would have come out sooner. I understand that, but uh, go with my story here. Um, you know, you know, like uh, he's like, Oh my God, I got the new Luke. And he opens him up and he just dumps him on the floor in the middle of his beat up stormtroopers and droids and Boba Fett that he's had for two, four years. <laughs> yeah. just like, cool. Now I can add Luke to the story. And I go love it. down. Yeah. I don't, there's something generational about it because it does connect to so much of, of what Favreau's in, influence clearly is. Uh, of, you know, being an original trilogy kid. Uh, so you can see absolutely the 80s Kenner toys. This also does feel to me like, did he did he buy a bunch of Dark Trooper figures and his, you know, more muscular Luke, Power of the Force 2 action figure? And did he act this out on the set of Swingers? Like, it, it is a little bit Kenner and it's a little bit late 90s, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Vince Vaughn just going, hey, hey, come on, you're not money, man. Just stop playing with that. We got a shot. We got to get the shot done. <laughs> That's not money. That's, That's not money. That's Dark troopers aren't money. <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to do? Uh, no, we touched on a lot as we should. This was an episode that uh, deemed <laughs> much attention being paid. Yeah, we're we're containing ourselves pretty well. I, I think the thing that that we often talk about here, uh, anything that we haven't touched on, is the music, and you know. Obviously, it's consistently great. Uh, you know, another thing that landed for me real hard on the the setup for the, the the teaser for the book of Boba Fett is same same Boba music that was used in the tragedy, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. But that Boba theme, that new Boba Fett theme, is just yeah. insanely good. It sounds cool and yeah. evil and daring and a little western. Uh, so that was amazing. And you know, the some big themes uh, coming in, uh, musical themes the force theme coming in under Luke and, and the, the timing on it really emphasized these lines, you know, getting distracted by the, it's him, there's CGI, the hood is Grogo going to leave all that on second, third viewing, you know, the, the sheer power mm. of Din Djarin saying, are you a Jedi? You know, and Luke Skywalker, the, the person we know from that moment in return, of the Jedi saying, I am a Jedi like my father before me. 
just calmly, casually saying, I am. I am. Just, just at the perfect time in the, in the force theme. That was masterful as well, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, the music is so good. You can almost not ignore it or forget it, but just, it's just so part of the show and, and, and it's been well documented of what a success it was uh, for the show and Gorenson and everything. But uh, there always seems to be like a new element. There was, oh, like, was there dubstep in this week? Like there was a lot of, a lot of new stuff in it. And, it, and it's just each week it's, it's just uh, some great work. And I love, and I love to hear the classic themes not just to be like, yeah, we we got our new kind of thing. It sounds Star Wars, but it's not. But to successfully work in themes, that force theme that is so known, I, I, I think that's a that's a great testament to his skill. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a, a huge amount of great tapestry, and yeah, I did like the uh, Dark uh, Troopers Evil Techno <laughs> theme. Uh, as we wrap up here, any predictions or hopes for the next season? That's that's a big question that we will Ooh. spend lot of time talking about in the future but what are your kind of closing thoughts for your hopes for what is next for the mandalorian for din because we know we're getting rangers of the new republic now you know whatever exactly the book of boba fett is ahsoka what do you want for for din and grogu and in mandalorian season three finding a little bit more of how he was raised, what was great about it, what was bad about it, what he needs to change. I don't consider him naive anymore. We talked about him being centered. I think that's part of it is he's, he's, you know, had some weeks to process on, wait a minute, I, I might've been lied to or protected. Which way was it? I'd love to explore more of that amid the backdrop of a Mandal- big Mandalorian fight or going to the unknown regions and finding Ezra, all those kind of, plot pointy things and what ifs I, I, I know, like I said earlier, I felt I could feel satisfied that this particular two year journey is over and he goes on and I'll never get that storytelling. I can only imagine. I, I believe it or not would be okay with it, but I'm not, I don't want that. And I just want to see where he goes next. Now that he himself has graduated. I keep saying his kids graduated and gone off to college. Um, he is as well. He's got a wide open road in front of him to make the choices he wants to make uh, about his purpose and and what he's out here for. Yeah. I think that is really great. He, that door closes, it's abrupt in, for me, it works for the end of the episode, but it's also like that abruptness to me speaks for Din. He he's got tears in his eyes as he nods. He knows this is right, but he's sad. He's, you know, got, got no Grogu, no ship. He's graduated. As you've said, he's, he's connected to this humanity uh, but the only th- thing he has in front of him is something that he he doesn't need or want, he thinks, right now. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a, the next quest. He doesn't have this assignment of, you know, get get uh, money for the foundlings. Uh, he's just got this dark saber and this mission he might not want. But mm-hmm. that's what's really intrigues me of what's next for him then. What does he do with his uh, graduating into this deeper, more complex level of humanity that you're talking about? You know, he's learned to value compassion in connection from Grogu. Does he extend that to, well, uh, I know that Bo-Katan is uncomfortable with it, but she now she is either going to take this from me, and if not, she's going to expect me to live up to my, my you know, half bargain when I said, uh, fair enough, I'll join your quest if I finish mine. And is he going to step up and, and find... He found a way to truly manage to want to be responsible for Grogu. Is he going to kind of grow to that place where he feels the responsibility of having compassion for 
all Mandalorians. He certainly mm. cared about his covert. And I think that's what motivated him a lot. Yeah. Uh, but this idea of like, regardless of creed or species or however you define Mandalorian, is he truly going to, in his heart, going to go, you know what? I do want the dark saber. I do want to unite all of the, the Mandalorians, you know, I, I want to decide for myself and for Mandalore, what is next? I'm not following the rules of this, the armor anymore. I'm going to rest with those. And I, I am going to take on this next level of responsibility of truly being a leader. Or is he just going to throw the dark saber on the floor and walk away? Yeah. yeah. And then what does he do? Cause he has to be somebody. Yeah. Um, my last thing is, I think just the way I feel and part of what left me emotionally devastated on my first viewing was, I think that the show that we knew is is gone. Um, totally. That I think that there's a very good chance that we will see Grogu again. But this is not the faceless bounty hunter and the cute puppet make their way through the galaxy anymore. You know, it thing in, in great Star Wars tradition. Uh, things have truly changed uh choices have been made and they truly make a difference yeah and i look i i i'm slightly bummed by that in the sense of i've i've got to graduate myself right and and i'll always have these episodes like i said and and i I, i've I've never had too much of a problem with the idea of it connecting to bigger names characters and themes and plot points but i will i will miss those moments which speaks to the power of those moments of father and son on the road and uh, uh that i'll celebrate that yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I, I think immediately after this episode, I was thrilled by Luke, thrilled by the the emotions of their relationship. And I just, I was kind of mourning for, but I just want to see them get into jams and, and steal cookies and fight monsters and be together and wipe, wipe his chin with your cape. <laughs> no more of that, please. I want so much of that. And Green Day starts playing. I hope you had the time of your life. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right. We're going to truly end on a, a weird, fun, personal question, as we always like to do. Ken, if Luke Skywalker showed up right now, he was real, and he asked you to go with him, would you? Well, hells yeah. <laughs> Luke shows up. I Come on. I got to go figure out why he's here. I mean, did he get the wrong address? I'll take him to the right one. Uh, absolutely. I'm, uh, I guess I can't say I'll slide into the backseat of the X-Wing, but maybe, uh, maybe he's got a sidecar. I don't know. Uh, I'm heading out. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you you can't say no to to Luke Skywalker. Come on, I I I couldn't do it. I would I would say you know I don't I don't know what you need me for, but I will I will try to meet the challenge, Luke Skywalker. I will try. A uh, very very inspiring episode of The Mandalorian. All these big Star Wars themes always make me think about like uh, if you want to apply them to your life, how, how could you? Uh, uh, how could you go about doing that? And I think this episode had a lot to to of, of great things to say, particularly of like, I want to grow as much as Din Djarin has. And I think Luke Skywalker, you know, inviting me to take a, a cramped ride in his X-Wing would yeah. would be a challenge that I would want to be sure to be up to. Sounds like a plan. A good plan indeed. That is our only slightly longer than normal episode. Uh, but of course, we will be back to discuss all things Mandalorian more and more. Uh, but for now, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely, my friends. You can go to Twitter and follow us at Force Center Pod. Like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. We are on Instagram, YouTube as well. You want some merch? 
tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can also try an audiobook on us. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center. And if you want to support us directly, you go to patreon.com slash force center. We appreciate your support, but always, you know, we say just tell a friend about the cool things uh, that we think are cool things here at force center. Hopefully you do too. We're so happy to build a community around the show here. It's all because of you. You can follow me at Cadnapsock across all social media platforms. So go to Cadnapsock.com for information, information on all the things I'm doing, including something new, a production company coming your way called Good People uh, Association, the GPA. Uh, fun things coming. I hope you like playing Uno, jo- Joseph, because uh, you have an invite waiting. Uh, that is all I'll say about that. Joseph, where, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my different comedy adventures, my other podcast, Obsessed. And if you're interested, I am doing an online New Year's Eve comedy and music show on New Year's Eve. There's a link to that right on the front of my website. Again, that's josephscrimshaw.com. Thank you all, listeners, for going on this long Mandalorian journey with us. It has been so rewarding, and we can't wait to discuss all the great Star Wars stuff, all the great storytelling the big ideas and the fun moments all coming down the road so many of them but for now for myself for ken for din jarn and grogu and the love of a father and child this has been force center Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.